Hi, I'm Kara Kilmer. I play Sylvie Brennan on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Minas and Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey shy hearts um hope everybody's doing well welcome to episode 208 we are covering this week's episodes 7 11 10 11 and 9 11 if we seem extra giggly it's because we just got off of zoom with chicago fires jimmy nicholas who plays chief hawkins and that was the most fun i have ever had in an interview what about you oh my god yeah i love how he like messaged us right after and he was like oh my god i'm sorry i talked too long and i'm like no that is literally the best thing we've ever done so so okay so this is a supersized episode, as you can tell by the length of it. If you need to break this into multiple parts, do it, okay? If you want to listen to just the interview and then, like, break and then come back to the episode, do it. Just actually go listen to the interview first. <laughs> um, everything we're about to say and then go to the interview. Check the show notes. Look for the timestamp. Skip ahead to that and listen to the interview first. We had so much fun with Jimmy. He can never leave Chicago Fire. He's got to stay on forever. Never, ever, ever. I mean, we'll get to the Hawkins stuff. We'll get there. I didn't want him to leave already, but like now, even more so, he cannot he leave. Can, he can never leave. No, never. That was, <laughs> he's awesome. <laughs> he is fantastic. So, okay, go listen to the interview and then like take a break and then come back and listen to like the episode. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to launch into the episode. Ready? Here we go. We're going to start with the news, just like we always start with. And we do have some. We do have some. Okay. Starting off with Matt's inside line. We got two one Chicago questions. Ooh, look at that. Matt's inside line doing the Lord's work. Okay. First question. How many episodes will the one Chicago shows be airing before going on break for the winter Olympics? That comes from Krista. The answer is in addition to this past Wednesday's midseason openers, three, all three Chicago dramas will air originals on the 12th and the 19th. There will then be two weeks of repeats followed by the winter Olympics. Okay. So this week, new. Next week, new. Two weeks of repeats. Winter Olympics. They should be back February 23rd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's four weeks off total. Yeah, four weeks off total. So we get new episodes again next week. And, and that's then it. that's it until February. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Uh, second question is from somebody named Nancy. I really like Jason Pelham on Chicago Fire. What are the odds of him coming on board on Truck 81 full time? Okay. Showrunner Derek Haas is keeping mum about whether Brett Dalton's character will stick around through the end of the season, but he does offer this tease about the storyline that kicked off this week, this week being last week. We're going to look into more of why he was floating for as long as he was, and that story's just beginning. There are some enemies out there who were perfectly content to keep him out of the permanent leadership position, so that's going to bring in the whole house. Okay. We've been down this road before is my only gripe. Yeah, we'll obviously get to the Pelham stuff because there's a lot to talk about, but I don't know. I still don't know. We'll get there. We'll get there. I'll save my thoughts for when we get there. Do we have to choose who to keep between Jimmy and Brett? (laughs) I don't hope not. No, I don't think so. I think they're two vastly different, you know, characters, vastly different in in slightly even vastly different worlds. I don't think there's no, no go ahead Brenna okay so then the next piece of news we got is a little bit on 
fortunate. Um, it comes from Deadline. Again, Deadline. Oh. Um, and it says, Chicago PD pauses production after positive COVID tests. So it says, filming on season nine of the NBC drama Chicago PD has been suspended today, today being yesterday, Wednesday, um, after a number of positive COVID tests, including cases in Zone A, which includes the cast and those who directly interact with them, I have learned. Um, I hear that there have been a couple of dozen cum- couple of dozen cumulative positive tests. Wow, that is a mouthful <laughs> on the show since with cast members among those impacted, which were detected through the extensive testing protocols. I hear production continued for a few days with replacement crew members and adjusted filming schedule um, until shooting was suspended today for a few days. Obviously, this comes off of the news from last week about fire being suspended fires according to this article went back today um or that was the plan at least was for fire to go back today but i guess it's kind of nice or kind of fortunate that they do have the bump of four weeks for Mm -hmm. winter olympics that gives them a little bit of time to you know to catch up yeah 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 so Um, and then i mean we there there was the tweet from filming in chicago when this dropped that you know apparently all three shows are having issues right now um, yeah it doesn't surprise sucks. me no I mean yeah it sucks and it's unfortunate and obviously you don't want anyone to get COVID but you know but yeah to, I mean to, to go back to the mindset that we had in like March of 2020 you know everybody's health and safety is number one yeah 100 percent. so yeah I hope everybody at PD is okay yeah I hope so too does cumulative yeah crazy. We, we, we learned who on fire had it <laughs> or at least Alberta. one of the people who had yeah. it yeah yeah. Alberto just putting it out there for everyone <laughs> it just yeah no beating around the bush yeah so but yeah that's about all the news we have this week yep yep that's about it so as always if you see anything send it to us you guys are so helpful about that we so appreciate it I imagine the news is going to kind of slow down a little bit while we go into Olympic hiatus um but yeah you guys know the drill so all right without further ado let's move into the episode shall we Let's do it. Again, we're like super jazzed because we just got off Zoom with Jimmy and we, we're still like, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're like, we're in go mode. Okay. Chicago Med. Let's start with Med. This was another episode of like all work and no play. It was like strictly business. Yeah, but I thought it was good. I like this one. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Um, it's always good when we get a Zora appearance. Yes. yes yes love loved seeing that kick off the episode I was like yes please give me more of this mm-hmm. love it so much so the very first scene is Dylan and his sister hello Zora we have missed you how are you I'm just glad they finally actually brought her back because like we obviously only got that one appearance mm-hmm. and then I want more of her and I still want more of her so they, she can come back mm-hmm. please okay so Dylan's old friend Terrell and his wife, Carmen, they have a son. And the son has what appears to be a broken arm. Uh, but it's frosty. Like, Carmen's at the house. Ter- uh, Terrell is not. But it's frosty. Like, it's awkward. And Dylan, right off the bat, is like, Zora, what the hell? Like, I haven't spoken to this guy in 12 years. Like, this is awkward. And Zora is like, well, okay. But they, they don't have health care right now. Like, things are cheap. You're a doctor. Please just check him out. Turns out the arm is most likely broken. So we get to med and as they're taking the kid to x-rays, Terrell shows up. Um, but he refers to Dylan as officer. It's icy. 
It's so awkward. It's icy. Yeah. He just like stops and he's like, Officer Scott. Ooh, yikes. So while that's going on, we're just piling on the good things here. Archer is like eavesdropping from afar, which is always a good thing. Like, I, yeah, great. Not great. Um, we get the backstory here. Dylan kind of tells Archer what went on, what set up the story. Okay. So Dylan and Carmen and Terrell, they were all best friends growing up. Dylan and Carmen dated at one point. They were a thing. And that's what he said. So that a thing. But then he says it's more complicated than that. So for a good like half of the episode, they were trying to make us think that Darius was Dylan's son. I was like, no, I, I already know where you're trying to go with this. And no, like. Figured that wasn't the case, but they did really make it seem like that's where they were going. And I was like, but am I wrong? Is that really where they're going? Or am I just like too smart for this? And I've just figured it out. But like, they really did make it seem like that's where they were going. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. It, yeah, it wouldn't have made any sense. Like, there's none. Okay, so Dylan recommends surgery and uh, Terrell instead asks for Archer's opinion. Terrell does not want to hear anything that Dylan's saying. He's just like, whatever. So Archer drops in this soundbite about it. He's like, well, my son had a similar procedure. Now at this point, I'm like, oh, he's got a son. But as he says that, our group chat with the other ladies of the One Chicago Pod Squad lights up and somebody's like, he's lying again. I was like, oh yeah, he's a compulsive liar. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was, I don't think I immediately thought, oh my God, he's for sure lying. But it was definitely like, is he telling the truth? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is a kind of a terrible thing to first think, like when something comes out of a character's mouth and the first thing you're like, you say is like, liar. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a terrible way to like think about a character. But like, that's what I think about with Archer. I have to question all of his motives. He's so even annoying. if they end up being good, like even if his motives end up actually somewhat t- being genuine, which is very rare, but it has happened. And like, but you still have to question it first. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about that then. Yeah. Yeah. So Terrell is like, okay, well, I don't know what to do. Well, like, do I go with the surgery or what? And then Dylan's like, Dr. Archer is the best. Which like, ew, Dylan, don't lie. Yeah. I'm like, Dylan, don't, don't you become a liar. You don't need to become a liar too. Like, why I are don't we doing like this? this? I don't like this like dynamic they're setting up now with Archer and Dylan. I'm like, do not make them friends. Do not corrupt Dylan. Yeah. Well, don't let Dylan make us like archer i don't need that no 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 i'm not even like i'm not even worried that like dylan's gonna make us like archer i'm worried that archer is gonna make dylan into a dick i don't think so i don't want this mentorship i do not want it i don't think so i don't think dylan's gonna become a dick like i want i want my receipt i want to return it like not not a fan do not like so then in surgery, while he's repairing the arm, Archer finds cancer. He finds a mass and he wants to remove the tumor at first. But Dylan's like, no, like we need to get parental consent. And Archer's like, no, we don't because like I'm Archer and I just do whatever the fuck I want. Uh, but Dylan's like, no, I have to tell them first. So Archer gives him like so much grief because Archer's an asshole and that's just how it is. He's like, oh, fine, like, but make it quick. Like, Okay, fine. I am curious, and I meant to ask my dad today, and I just forgot. I am curious, though, like, is that, like, is Archer right, or is Dylan right? Like, if something like that were to happen in surgery, and you Mm -hmm. find something else, and then it comes into this whole other procedure, 
especially I guess like in this situation, given that it's a kid, do you have to ask for consent, like parental consent, like sign off on it, or can you just go? It's a good question. Like question. I was just curious, like who is actually right in this situation? Is Archer right or is Dylan right? I just hate that Archer has to admonish people every time they go against what he wants. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I feel like he's past the point of no return for me. No amount of sob story is ever going to make me like him. Here's the thing. I don't think I'll ever like him, right? Like, Archer is never going to be my favorite character. I'm never going to be like, oh my god, Archer is the best thing. You know, like, that's never going to happen. Like, we've way crossed past that line. But do I ever think there will be a time where I've come around to him and maybe even rooting for him in some capacity? I don't know what that looks like. Maybe. I'm not saying I'll never say never. Um, But yeah, liking him and like actually being like, yeah, Archer is one of my favorites. Yeah, I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. No, no. He he annoys the crap out of me. Like just, no. So at that point, Terrell wants another doctor. He's like, no, like you can't be for real that like there's cancer there's no way like I want another doctor I don't want you on the case so Dylan goes and relays the information and Archer just throws them the gauntlet he's like okay well guess what you have 20 minutes to get the consent like do it just do it go so then Terrell and Dylan have a really actually a really really great scene but we get a lot of backstory here hey Terrell look man we got to talk I got nothing to say to you man if this is about back when I was a cop, yeah, I... Yeah, and you arrested me. I, I was just one of the cops on the scene, bro. I didn't know you were going to be in that house. Would you get out of here with that, Dylan? You watched them put them cuffs on me. L- look, man, uh... I'm sorry. Sorry? You sorry? We were a team, man. The three of us, best of friends, but you had to go off with Carmen. Then you watched me get busted. I mean, what kind of friend is that? All right, man. You right. I could have been a better friend to you. But this is not about that. You got a sick kid upstairs, bro. He's got cancer, Terrell. You're his father. I need you to make the right call, bro. I don't need you to tell me something I already know. All right, man. Hate me. Hate me as much as you want, bro. But I ain't walking away until I get your consent for that surgery. Do it. Okay, so Dylan ran off with Carmen and then watched Terrell get arrested. Mm-hmm. And that's why Terrell's mad. Yes. Okay. But what I really want to know, and I guess I didn't really realize this, but I, I apparently, according to Instagram and Twitter this morning, this is an arc that is like going to continue. Like, I guess we're going to see Carmen and Terrell come back. That's at least what I gleaned. That's the way they made it seem at least. But okay. um. I guess what I'm curious about, though, is that, like, okay, yeah, I guess I get, I, if I put myself in Terrell's shoes, I would, I would probably be bad, too, if my friend just watched me get arrested and didn't, it didn't seem like he was doing anything to help me or, you know, whatever. But then how does that, how do, there's still another part missing to the story, right? Because obviously Terrell got out, you know, or 
got charges dismissed or whatever. But then how do we end up with like Terrell and Carmen together and Dylan not in the picture at all? Yeah, yeah, I want to know about that. And I also, I, I got the vibe between Carmen and Terrell that there were problems. Uh, right, and the vibe yeah. that there's still something clearly between Carmen and Dylan. Right, right. So like, is that gonna, I mean, I know, I remember that one interview, I think they kind of used maybe a potential love interest for Dylan. So is that who this is, is that what this is supposed to be? So I'm not mad at it if that's what this is, where this is going, but mm-hmm. like... I don't know. There's just still more to the story I want. So I guess I'm glad that's continuing on into future episodes. Cause I definitely want to, I, there's more there I want to know about. Yeah. Yeah. This one left, this one definitely left me with more questions than anything else. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So Terrell finally agrees. Dylan gets through to him. Terrell finally agrees and the kid's going to be okay. You know, they got the they, they, they got the tumor out, but it is like a long-term cancer. It's, it's like a bone, it's like a bone cancer basically. Um, and Maggie is just like, I love how Maggie just hyped him up this whole episode. She's just with Dylan and she's like, it's okay. Don't worry. Like, it's cool. And, uh, she's like, oh my God, like you got him to consent, like great job. And he's like, no, he didn't do it for me. He did it for his son. Which is the uh, way it's supposed to be. Yeah. That is the way it's supposed to be. And that was my whole gripe. This whole episode is just like, I get it. You're mad at Dylan. Whatever. It's been 12 years. I don't know if you really still should be mad anymore, but like, whatever. You're still mad at Dylan. But like, your son has broken an arm and then ultimately they find out he has cancer. Like, come on, dude. Like, yeah. come on now. Really? Okay. Yeah. So earlier when Dylan is talking to Carmen about the cancer and how it's kind of like a long road ahead, uh, they're having a conversation and Terrell walks in and sees them and automatically just assumes the worst. So it basically ends with Terrell just being like, stay away from my family. And Dylan's just like, damn it. Damn it. So we end at Molly's Dylan's at Molly's and Archer's there too. Again, stop trying to make them friends. Stop making, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Stop it. I don't like it. What does Chris Evans say? I don't like it. I will say, though, not that, again, Archer in Molly's, but, like, Med at least acknowledges that Molly still exists, which is way more than PD has done in the last couple of seasons, so I'll take it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Turns out Archer was not compulsively lying about this. He does have a son who hasn't spoken to him in 15 years. I'm just not surprised. I'm just like, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) That was your reaction. My reaction was like, okay, I'm, again... I don't know, Archer will never be my favorite character, but I am kind of interested in it. So I'm curious to see where this goes. Like, does it have to do, my guess is it probably has to do with Archer's PTSD, right? And Archer then being an asshole as a result of his PTSD would be my guess. I mean, I was just going to guess it's him being an asshole. (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm curious to see where they go with this. I'm not like, I'm not mad at this. This is not where I thought they were going to go, but like, I'm not mad at this. I, I am curious to see where they go. I just am not like captivated by Archer at all. Like my reaction when Archer's part of a storyline is to like not even try to get involved. It's just to kind of like zone out. So the Dr. Charles stuff with him a couple weeks ago when he was talking about like mental health stuff on even on the on the the fake green screen balcony. Yeah. Like I realize a lot of people were like, wow, that's so powerful. I'm like, honestly, when he's whatever storyline he's part of, I'm just like, okay, like go back to other people, please. I thought that. See, the, my, I guess my biggest gripe with Archer is that he, I think he's taking one step forward and then he takes three steps back. Yeah. 
And like, it is hard. Like if they really are trying to make us root for Archer or at least like tolerate him or whatever, it's hard when I'm like, oh, he did something okay or semi-decent this week. And then it's like, oh no, but then he went back and did that horrible, terrible asshole-ish thing. And I'm like, hmm. Because like you were talking about that example, it's like, oh yeah, they had this great moment on the rooftop, which I actually really liked. I, I liked that moment a lot. But then he then goes back and says something to Charles about the ED and it being a terrible place for like mental health and like his Dr. Charles patients. And I'm like, and fuck you. <laughs> like, I don't care. So yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it's one step forward, three steps back. And it's just, I don't know. I think, I think they Sean Roman him. I, I think they like, they, they poured too much on at the beginning and then tried to salvage him. And it's just too little too late. See, for me, I don't know. If, I don't know if we're at a Sean Roman point yet. Um, I think, Roman sucked because he also got in the way of other things, you know, Berzek and things that I didn't like about that. Mm-hmm. So I will always and forever hate Sean Roman, but oh man, that was... what I just thought of something for the Jimmy question. <laughs> what? If I could redo something, could it be that Sean Roman just never existed? Like, oh, why didn't we think of that? Why didn't I think of that? Together? Ugh, yeah. Anyway, so side point, but yeah, so I don't know. Oh man, oh man. Um, P.S. Now Randy's getting in on the Jimmy hate. He like he liked the "I hate you" tweet. Amazing. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. But also, Randy never answered our question about Cap on a dating app. I know, I know. Randy, Randy, we're mad at you. <laughs> oh my goodness I love that we're all ganging up on Jimmy even though he's like the nicest oh my goodness amazing uh yeah they I I think they Romaned Archer I think they did um yeah I'm a little tiny little I'm not there yet I'm not I'm not at Sean Roman level with Archer I'm not there yet I'm not am I there I think I'm there I think I'm there yeah. He also got Dr. Choice shot. <laughs> like, that's some unforgivable shit. I mean, yeah, that's true. That is very fair point. Very and, fair point. And dosing patients without their consent, that's fair. Shit. That's medical malpractice right there. But this is med. But this is med. This is med. He fits right in if that's what we're, if that's the standard, he fits right in. Touche. Touche. He fits uh-huh. right in so uh we got a couple of listener thoughts here heather b said i hate dr archer and usually his parts of the episode are accompanied by a lot of eye rolling on my part but this team up with dr scott and his obnoxious rudeness actually made things interesting and served a purpose i like that we're finally getting some of scott's backstory as a cop and it wasn't just a throwaway line at the beginning of the season i do love that yeah for sure um i want more of it i definitely the little interaction we got with Dylan and uh Atwater was not enough and I get it it's COVID the like crossovers have been hard even just like the little crossovers like that like I get it mm-hmm. but I want more you can't tell me Dylan says oh yeah I know your brother to Will and not give me a Jay and Dylan scene can we just put this out into the universe and like start manifesting okay look intelligence has three men two women right three men two women no black yes. women in intelligence yes three men two women can we start the Zora Scott for intelligence movement? Um, yes, please. Please? 
we're also down a brother sister duo now that uh, Antonio and Gabby are gone. Yes. We've got a brother brother duo, but they don't even like to acknowledge each other anymore. So, according to one Chicago, they haven't seen each other in three years. So, like, yeah, does Will even know that Jay and Haley are married? Probably not. Probably it's- not probably not probably not no so let's just start that movement right here right now zora scott for intelligence yes i mean i think we need it on bumper stickers and t-shirts i think we need to come up with a more clever hashtag we're on it we're on it we're on it we're on it this is our new mission yeah yeah (laughs) moving on to stevie and william take it away brenna (laughs) Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Okay. Well, we have to start off with, okay. So Stevie sees Will coming into the uh, hospital and Will is wearing the most horrendous bowling shirt I've ever (laughs) seen in my entire life. Not the bowling. I mean, there, I don't think there's a great bowling shirt, but that one was just terrible. And I love, though, that Will is like, so Stevie even asked him, she's like, what's up with the shirt? And Will's like, well, it's more of a fashion statement. And it's just like, <laughs> who the fuck are you? <laughs> what do you know about fashion, Will? This is coming from a man who wears scrubs 12 hours of the day. Do you see why I love him, though? It's because he's such a fucking mess. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't. I can't. Like, I can't. who, who, who does that? I and it's just. Go ahead, go ahead. I want to know, I want to know, do we think that that shirt was a gift or did Will buy it for himself? He definitely bought it for himself, right? Oh, he totally bought it for, for himself. He bought it for himself at like one of those like vintage stores, like thinking he was cool, but really he wasn't. Yeah. Or like Goodwill. And he's like, oh, look at what I found for $3. This is definitely like a diamond in the rough. And William, it is not. <laughs> I think he either bought it for himself or... Jay like totally trolled him and was like yeah that like they they were like out shopping one day or something and he's like yeah that would look great on you like it's either he bought it for himself or Jay totally trolled him I think Will bought it for himself <laughs> I also it, it makes me laugh so hard that like when the promo photos dropped the very first thing all of us said was like what the hell is that shirt so like hearing Stevie say the same thing it just like confirmed everything we were like thank you thank you Stevie like same page well for me, for me, I really thought they were going to then have him be like coming from a bowling match or something like that. Like maybe I just think a little too practically because I would have just assumed like, oh yeah, he got called in from, you know, on an emergency or like there was an emergency at the bowling alley and Will just happened to be there bowling or whatever. No, no, no. This is a man who just decided to wear it because why the hell not? Like <laughs> he's going to run his errands. He's going grocery shopping and Will is deciding to wear a bowling shirt. I can't, I can't. I can't with him. I can't. I just, I can't. He's such a mess. I can't. <laughs> oh <laughs> it's so bad it's yeah yeah but anyway <laughs> so will eventually i don't even remember why was he at the hospital yeah it's his day off he's there to like i guess yeah. fill out like paperwork for the bathroom yeah. stuff or something anyway so will's there he goes in the elevator whatever stevie then all of a sudden sees this girl come stumbling in through the doors and she just basically collapses pretty much in stevie's arms mm-hmm. and she ends up being septic from butt implants. Yep. Because that's a thing that happened. The thing that happened. So Stevie, of course, suspects that it's an illegal back alley thing, which, duh. <laughs> duh. 
Seems pretty obvious. Yeah. So she ropes in Dr. Charles to see if he can get anything out of her because all she really is saying, you know, she admits that she had surgery and this is what, you know, but she doesn't really say much more like who did it, you know, anything like that. So Dr. Charles tries, he can't really get anything out of her, but then all of a sudden her dad shows up and like immediately Dr. Charles is like, okay, this is not, something's up, something's up. Yeah. And so they talk to the dad and dad's like, oh, you know, we're not super close anymore. I don't really know. Yada, yada, yada. And then she starts crashing and all of a sudden the dad knows that it's a silicone embolism and that's what it ends up being. But of course, as Dr. Charles quickly figures out, he is not the dad. He is actually the surgeon. What the fuck? Dun, 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 dun. This was a weird one. This was really weird. Yeah. And just kind of stupid. So like, apparently, so Dr. Charles obviously sits the guy down and is like, what the fuck? Like, tell me everything. And apparently this guy goes on about his like sob story about how the fact that he was like a really good doctor in Russia. And then he kind of got like kicked out of the country. And then he came to the US and basically just never got his license in the u.s and he starts off being like oh yeah well it was just some like runny noses and ear infections and dr charles is like yeah well this is like kind of a very different thing like duh and the guy doesn't seem to have like any remorse really for what he's done or think that like he's done something wrong and dr charles and me and i think the rest of the audience was just like what the fuck like this guy everything that comes out of his mouth is wrong and like Mm -hmm. i don't see how he doesn't see that it was such a casual conversation and it was interesting to see Dr. Charles too because he's usually so level-headed and like understanding that like he was having to balance the two of like being the psychiatrist who's like level-headed and nice with like are you fucking kidding me yeah because I I mean I think any sane person and Dr. Charles is the definition of a sane person mm-hmm. would be just like what the fuck mm-hmm. Like, you think it's okay to come to the United States? And not that saying you can't practice medicine, obviously, right? Because anyone, you know, you can, especially if you've already gone to medical school, whatever. But, like, you still have to make it legal. You can't just skip out on the, like, taking the test again to become, you know, I, I just, I don't get it. Well, if you're, if you're not licensed as a doctor, I mean, that's assault. Right. Right. But he thought it was just okay that, like, he could be a doctor without a license in the U.S. And it's just like, no, buddy, that's not how it works. This thing was so bizarre. Yeah. And then he ends up admitting the fact that there's another girl that he did the same day. So it's probably, she also probably has bad butt implants. So who goes to her rescue? None other than William. Not like he has anything better to do because he's there on his day off. Yeah. Yeah. So they find her and they take the, it's a stroke van. I like, didn't know that was a thing. No, I know. Obviously, you know, I've seen like my, the first thing that kind of popped into my head was like the on station 19, the PRT Mm. that Ben, you know, ghost or whatever, Mm -hmm. but like, I didn't know stroke specifically like stroke vans were a thing. I yeah, that's the first I've ever heard of it. And so basically it's obviously just kind of it's like not an ambulance, but not like a 16 passenger church van either. It's somewhere in the middle. And 
but like the back is obviously cleared out and they've got like a bed in there and some medical equipment, not a ton, but like some medical equipment in there. It looked like there was some sort of like MRI machine. Yeah, CT scan, I think. Something like that, um, yeah. Yeah. And so basically this girl's in like bad shape and it ends up, you know, they don't really have time to get her to med, you know, especially because like one little bump is kind of going to like kill her. Dislodge the embolism and fuck shit up. Yeah. Yeah. So Will ends up having to do the extraction via Zoom, via Zoom with Stevie because there's not enough diesel in the van or whatever for them to like have the CT scan going in the van. It's like all craziness. Only Um, at med. Okay. Only at med. So he's like, he was trying to get images on the machine or something. And then the girl was like, well, we've never done it before. And we don't have enough juice for another one. I'm like, only Chicago med. I swear to God, this is the worst hospital. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so he does it though. It's, you know, Stevie talks through it. Yeah, yes. Stevie talks him through it. He's very successful. You know, it's great. But like, again, then it ends up basically ending with like, Dr. Charles does call the authorities on the guy because thank God it's about time. Okay, that took way too long though. Like way too long. And I know. Even in like the first conversation, I was like, okay, now is the time when we call PD. What are you doing, Dr. Charles? Why haven't you called PD? Now is the time. Like, yeah. But the girls are going to be okay, you know, yada, yada, yada. Okay. So then we end and we have a conversation and Will and Stevie, you know, they have their little banter thing going on. It's cute, whatever. And Stevie makes a joke again about the bowling shirt. And it basically ends up ending with Will asking her to go bowling. Would you want to go bowling tonight? (laughs) I am dressed after all and... I do have the shoes in the car. Yeah, sure. Just uh, give me a few minutes to finish up. Great. Dr. Hammer, I have a delivery for you. Thanks. Sign here. You okay? Yeah, it's nothing. It's just uh, it's paperwork for my divorce. Oh. Didn't know you were married. It's over. Um, he's just dragging it out. Yeah, maybe uh, we should do this another night. Uh, maybe we should. Yeah. All right. I'll see you. Obviously, like we just heard, Stevie is married. I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And I feel like I I tried to go back and find it and I couldn't find it. I could have sworn we learned that, but maybe I was wrong. Yeah, I thought we had learned that too. I couldn't find it, but I, I mean, I didn't search like forever for it, but I was trying to, but I guess it's news that she's getting divorced. I don't know. I mean, but Will didn't seem to know, so... I don't know. I can't remember who she was telling then. If she didn't tell Will, then who was she telling? I couldn't remember. Maggie, maybe? Or her mom? No. I don't remember. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the big shocker. And so because she gets handed the divorce papers, and you know, Will's like, okay, well, maybe another night. And they just like leave, but don't go bowling. So 
yeah this whole thing like this the storyline is bizarre and then it just like I, I think it's also really interesting to note that they like we always talk about how it's never good when a female character is used to prop up a male storyline we got the opposite in this episode will was totally useless in this episode he just propped up stevie's storyline well i wouldn't say will until the end yeah will was totally useless i was that it was interesting um also he has bowling shoes in his car what i thought that was just a joke because she asks him in the beginning and she's like, hey, do you have bowling shoes or whatever? Like, do you something about bowling shoes in the car? And I thought it was just her bringing that back. Nothing surprises me with him. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me either if he, like, has the whole outfit, but. I mean, he's halfway there, so. <laughs> he's such a mess. Like, what is his, is bowling, like, his guilty pleasure? I, he doesn't, he says, though, that he's not even really a big bowler. Every now and then he likes to enjoy the occasional game. Okay, I'm going to preface this with keep it clean. Will's guilty pleasure, go. Uh, I don't know. You're the Will Halstead stand. You should answer this question. Yeah, but you watch the shows too. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Yeah, but I don't sit and like think about Will a lot. Like, I just, like, Will is just... Okay, okay, for the record, for the record, I don't sit around and think about Will either, okay? Like, for the record. Sometimes. What is Will's guilty pleasure? It's not even, like, it's it's better than trashy reality TV shows. Like, trashy reality shows is not, it's better. It's even guiltier than that. Damn it. Oh, oh, Okay. Because I was trying to say, Will, Will is, I don't really know if I have the words to describe Will, but I don't know why, but I feel like he's the kind of guy that does like to get a good pedicure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's it. That is it. Boom. Bingo. I was trying to think. I was like, rom-coms? Yeah, Will definitely likes his rom-coms. Like, that wouldn't surprise me. Hallmark? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I was like, what kind of goes along those lines? Pedicures. Pedicures, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And like there's there's one nail place in Chicago that like knows him, but like does he does he does he go through the trouble of going like way out of his way, like outside, like not even close to Met or anywhere else so that people yes. don't know? Yeah. Yes. I like it. Bingo. Yes. Done. Boom. <laughs> Bryna, the non-Will Halstead stand with the answer. Yes. Um so we did, of course, get listeners' thoughts. Um, Heather B. said, um, I still can't really figure out why Will is wearing a bowling shirt. I guess it shows he has a life outside of med and this legal battle is interrupting it. But we all agree that a Jay and Haley, that Jay and Haley have matching shirts and there is a Halstead bowling team that goes to league nights at the local alley, right? Ooh, are Jay and Haley part of this, though? I don't know. That is a great question. I think if they're part of it, they got roped in against their will. But then secretly enjoyed it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I can see Haley enjoying it. And then Haley and Will teaming up together to drag Jay into it. Oh, I was going to say it's Haley and Will that like it. And Jay is just, or no, I'm sorry. Other way around. (laughs) Haley hates it. Haley hates it. Like I can see that. I think it'd be the opposite. Huh. I can see Haley being like, I married into this. (laughs) But I could also see it as like Haley enjoying it, and then all she has to do is just like give Jay a look, and Jay's like, "Nope, I'm in." Okay, yeah. fine, fine. 
That's funny. Megan R said, Will doing the procedure in the mobile unit gave me total Ben Warren in the PRT vibes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then Jamie R said, Stevie and Will doing the surgery remotely was absolutely fascinating. I did get nervous that some dumbass would drive into the mobile <laughs> CT scan and cause some other storyline. I didn't think that, but now I'm glad that didn't happen. It would have made perfect sense because, yeah. Ned. 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 Yeah. Okay. So next up, we've got Goodwin. This was kind of, there was, there was just like some little stuff here and there that went on. So Dr. Shentu is back. Oh, yay. Nah. Yeah. So he turns- can actually leave. He can peace out. He can peace out. He's annoying. Yeah. He's I- so annoying. Ugh. Okay. So uh it turns out the firm that's suing Med is the one that Avery works for. Like Dr. Blake's daughter, Avery, the one we want to get with Crockett. Like, yeah, it's her firm that is suing Med. That's not that's well we knew i mean we knew not that i think she was officially suing med but we knew that her firm was like investigating it sucks that sucks it's gonna drive a wedge between her and crockett i don't want that well crockett already kind of drew a wedge in between them last week remember when he didn't go out to drinks or dinner with her i mean the wedge of all wedges was making out with her mom but like yeah. yeah 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 um yeah, which, okay, I hate that her firm is the one suing Med, but also, like, kudos to finding a way to get Avery to stick around longer. Like, kudos <laughs> and thank you. Yeah, I want to know who, like, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what, uh, this storyline is getting really frustrating for me really quickly because there's all this talk about avoiding drama and a public relations disaster for the hospital and blah, blah, blah. The VASCOM issue itself should be the scandal, not the fact that she blew the whistle. Like, yeah, it's really frustrating because they're like, oh, well, we shouldn't do this to avoid all this backlash. Well, you've already got the backlash. And again, I'm going to scream it from the mountaintop. Goodwin did the right thing. Yep. Like, just so we're all on the same page. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, the thing that also I think bothers me with this whole thing, too, and the obsession with looks and the way the hospital is perceived by the outside is like who the fuck cares as long as you have the reputation of your doctors doing the right things by patients and it being good for patient care and that you know they're successful at surgeries like all those medical things that actually matter Mm -hmm. like who cares and I think like you said a I think just personally that Goodwin did the right thing but b I would think if I were someone who was looking to be like you know, as a patient, you know, a potential patient was like, would I go to med or would I go to a different hospital in the area? I mean, I think that makes sense, right? Like Goodwin fought against a corrupt system and, you know, machines that were not great, you know, people doing bad things and tampering with patient care. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't see what the big deal is. And I don't think it should have anything to do with the PR of it all. Exactly. And I'm getting really sick of people being like, no, it's going to make so many issues. Like doing the right thing is going to cause issues. And that's why you're like, no, I don't want to do it. Like, fuck off. I'm done with that. Like yeah. this, this storyline is very, very frustrating. Very, very frustrating. So Goodwin sees Will filling out some extra paperwork that like Shen Tu is apparently making him fill out. And, you know, they're talking about how like, oh man, I don't regret what we did, but like, wow, this fallout's pretty bad. And it ends in Goodwin going to Avery and being like, you're going to take all of the doctors off of this lawsuit because it's affecting how they work and you're just going to go after me. Yep. So. yeah, She's such a badass. She is a badass, but ultimately that this is going to come back and bite her in some way. 
I was going to say, are you worried about her at all? Maybe. I know. Yeah. I, saw, I saw some people floating around on Twitter the idea that ultimately it's going to end up with her losing her job or something like that because then a path is going to go end up on like the law and order reboot and i was like i don't think that's oh, you know that's a long one i was like theory. that's a lot um i'm not saying she won't never appear on the law and order reboot because obviously i feel like she will she's still yeah. in the dick wolf universe it's very easy i feel like for them to make that happen yeah but I don't think that would mean her leaving med. I hope not, at least. You know what it's going to come down to is there's probably going to be something at the 11th hour where it's like, oh my God, this has to be done by like this particular time. And like Goodwin's the only one who can solve it. And then they're just like, oh my God, we're Sharon. And then like they zoom out and like she's having some sort of like diabetic issue and yeah. is like collapsed in her office or something. Mm-hmm. Probably. Rude. Very. Rude. Very. Rude. I also don't know how I feel about the fact that they're just, they're basically, like, Sharon's basically a martyr this season. She's just like, I am just going to sacrifice myself everywhere I possibly can. Um, I mean, it's about damn time, right? And right. it's good. Well, and I feel like, I feel like in a lot of ways it's really good, only because I feel like we've been screaming for the past six seasons for Goodwin to, like, finally do something. Because, you know, a lot of... I, Goodwin's always been a great leader, but I think she's lacked in the fact that she's never done anything like fire the doctors when they mess up or like care that him has been violated, you know, like all those things that we make jokes about. Mm -hmm. Um, But this season, she's really stuck to her guns and really stood up for everybody. And when nobody's done anything wrong, um, and I just, well, none of the doctors, her doctors, at least that she Mm -hmm. cares about um, have done anything wrong. And I just, I really enjoyed seeing that side. Um, so I really have enjoyed, I mean, on the one hand, it's frustrating, but I've also enjoyed it too. So. Yeah. 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 So. Okay. Moving into, no, wait, we didn't read. Yeah. We didn't read the listener thought. Sorry. Okay. So Jamie R sent us a little thought on this and she said, I'm sick of the stupid lawsuit horseshit. Bingo. First off, it's mad. There are no rules. We all know this by now. It's season fucking seven, for Christ's sake. Enough already. <laughs> what they're doing to oust, or what they're doing to Miss Goodwin is like the early days of fire when HQ kept trying to oust Bowden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of redundant. I would have, I really would have been totally okay with like wrapping up that storyline in the mid-season finale and like, boom, that's it. Cooper's in jail. We're good. Yeah. But then I feel like we say that now. But then I think if we had in an alternate universe not had that and just not like avoided, I think we would have been like, okay, so like, why aren't we feeling, you know, why aren't we getting more now? Like, why aren't we seeing the after results of this? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Moving into Crockett, Bryna, take it away. Oh man, Crockett and Dr. Blake. Uh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So Crockett starts out and he's treating a patient that's got panic attacks and he thought he was having a heart attack. Turns out it was a panic attack. Um, Everything seems to be okay though. He'll be discharged shortly, you know, nothing crazy. So then all of a sudden a former football player who's in liver failure comes in and Gina, we we had a little debate here because you Mm -hmm. said you thought it looks like Ruzik from an alternate timeline. Yeah. I said it looked like Party Thor from What If. <laughs> I thought that was a 
fantastic analogy too, though. I, I laughed at that one too. And one of our listeners in the comments also asked something about Thor. Yeah. I mean, we're not wrong. All of them are right. <laughs> All alternate timelines. Thank you, Marvel. Yeah. But anyway, so this guy though is in pretty rough shape. I mean, and he, you can tell he's been in rough shape for a while because he comes in and he's like, here's all my medical information. And he's got it on like a jump drive. Mm-hmm. So clearly this has happened before. Mm-hmm. Multiple um, times. Yeah. I yeah, did get a good I, laugh when like Crockett was reading the scans and then he said something about like splenomegaly. I was like, oh, that's a fun word. What does that mean? Yeah. Lots of medical terms thrown around, but basically they've kind of gotten the point again. He's in liver failure. He needs a new liver. What does that mean? What does splenomegaly? Spleen? Does it have anything to do with the spleen? Spleen? Spleno? Abnormal enlargement of the spleen. That is such a fun word. Spleen. I figured it out. What I guess mega bigger splenomegal splenomegaly. That would be a really good band name. Splenomegaly. Splenomegaly. Yeah, tonight I'm going to see Splenomegaly. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's a fun word. Yeah, that's a fun one. Today I learned. Anyway. So anyway, basically the point being, he needs a new liver. He needs a new liver. So Shintu and another, they, they found a liver for him. And of course, they're again, they're like, oh, no, we have to do the liver transplant because this guy's famous and it'll give us good press. Yeah. Yeah. If we save his life, but like the guy ends up admitting to Blake and Crockett that he's an alcoholic and you can't, you have to have been sober for six months before you can get uh, off the transplant list. And so again, like I said, Shintu is all about no good PR. Yeah. Ooh, you know, that's all we care about. And he's like, no, we should bend the rules. And I was just like, wait huh yeah and crockett and blake are like that's not the rules according to Yunos. which like i feel bad for Yunos because like they always get the shaft every time they're in a tv show always yeah. yeah but so we're at like a little bit of a standstill so basically the guy's sister the football player's sister ends up sending the tweet asking people to get tested and see if there'll be a match for a new liver so dr shintu's all like yay publicity i cannot speak tonight jesus Mm -hmm. publicity and crockett and blake are like yeah no like this is not how this goes yeah this is weird and it's uncomfortable that like random people are showing up Oh, and then Goodwin even tries to, like, stop him, too. She's like, the hospital runs on the expertise and dedication of our doctors. She's like, I just can't let you stand there and ignore their medical opinions. But that's what he does anyway. So, you know, anyway, he just goes around the system because they decide to do this thing, not a liver transplant, but like a you take a piece of someone else's liver and use it as like a transplant. So it's not the whole liver. Mm -hmm. Um. And they found a guy willing to do it. And of course, then they're like, yeah, so Dr. Blake, you're not going to do the transplant. We actually are going to go with a different, less qualified doctor to do it. And Crockett's like, but she's the only one who knows how to do the procedure. And Jintu's like, oh, who cares? Too bad. Yeah. And so turns out that the guy that's donating his part of his liver is actually the guy that Crockett treating for a panic attack earlier, which I was just like, what the fuck? This is so weird. And it makes no sense. Like no sense. Like I think about it and I'm like, okay, well, 
if Dak Prescott needed a portion of liver, no, I wouldn't know. Like, I love watching him play, but no, no, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, no. I mean, it'd be different, like you said, if you had a relationship with that person or whatever, you know, but not just because. Right. Um, but so Crockett goes to try to talk to the guy and make sure he really knows what he's doing. And the guy's just like, well, this is Wes Tucker. He has going to have a piece of me keeping him alive. And I'm just like, not worth it. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Not worth it. So anyway, Crockett ends up pushing Blake to do the surgery because he's like, listen, like if I know we're all against this, but like they should have, the guy should have the best surgeon doing his surgery. Like if if it's going to go happen, it should be you. So they end up going in there and as it turns out their Crockett's patient from with the panic attacks actually took a beta blocker before the surgery because he was so nervous. So he ends up starting crashing. They bring him back though, ultimately to life. They put in a temp placer, finish the surgery. All's kind of ends well that, you know, all kind of ends well, but it's just like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Yeah. I will say it was, I guess, nice to not see Blake and Marcel flirting. That was the only, like, bright side of this episode. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to, like, completely strangle Dr. Blake this week, so I guess we'll take that, but yeah, that was a weird storyline. Yeah, this was weird. Like, dare I say, I, I almost feel like this episode was kind of filler. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it had, like, a lot. I, I wouldn't say, I say some of it was filler. Like, I'd say this was filler. I'd say the Stevie Will stuff was kind of filler. But, like, I don't think necessarily the Maggie stuff was totally filler. Um, The Dylan stuff was definitely not filler. So, I think Mm. it's, like, probably half and half. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Megan R. said, all I have to say about Blake and Marcel's storyline in this episode is this. Is this what would have happened if Thor went to the hospital in Endgame? (laughs) The patient looks so much like him. It's insane. So, okay. Thor 2, Gina 0 yeah or just like an alternate version of what happened to him when he did go to the hospital in the first Thor movie (laughs) oh man oh man so last up we've got Maggie um and turns out Vanessa's adoptive parents they want Maggie over for dinner oh my heart I loved this so much my heart Yeah, and so uh, Vanessa's been, like, super nervous to ask, and she's like, so what do you think? Do you want to come? And before Maggie can even answer, Dylan comes in and interrupts. Listen, Dylan, I love you. You're fantastic. Don't do that again, please. get out. Yeah. But don't do that again. That's not nice. No interrupting. That's important. So Sharon talks her up, like, because Maggie mentions it later on, and Sharon's like, you should, like, go. Like, do, you know, you should do what's best for Vanessa. You should go. Like, this is, this is great. So Maggie goes and it's wonderful. Like we meet Vanessa's adoptive parents and they bond and we get a Ben reference for the first get time a in Ben reference forever. Yep. Yep. Sweet. Yeah, I really like this. I'm I'm I want more Maggie and Vanessa. Um I really like their little their bond that they're developing and yeah, I love yeah, this. Sweet. Sweet. So Jamie R said, we got a scene with Vanessa's parents and Maggie, although I get, or she, yeah, she says, although I get it, like Maggie needs a hug. She's tough as balls in the ED, but the vulnerability she was showing made me feel for her. I wanted to tell her you're an amazing woman and not the 16 year old girl anymore. You're a warrior. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. 
Maggie Lockwood's a warrior. Hell yeah. Louder for the people in the back. Yes. That's Med. Any other notes on Med? No. So, I mean, solid episode. It was just nothing crazy. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Like, pretty eh. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Um, yeah. Moving into fire. Fire, oh, man. fire, fire. This was, oh, man. This was a lot. This was a lot. I, like, don't know how I feel about this episode. Like, part of me is, Really? Like, like hmm. Huh. Hmm. How did I feel about this episode? I will like, say this. I don't know if it, like, looking back on it, you know, I think it'll be really interesting to look back on Fire Season 10 and see, like, considering, like, favorite episodes and whatever. I will say this. And I, it's mainly because of the Hawkins and Violet stuff. I think this was the most excited and the most like I was really looking forward to this really for that storyline in mm-hmm. a basically since the 200th like this is the most excited I had been for an episode of fire in a while huh. okay I was really excited to see where that goes I'm still very we'll get there but like I was really looking forward to this story that storyline this week and so I was actually very excited and that part did not disappoint me at all um but yeah so you want to start us off go ahead sure okay so we're gonna kick off with like Stellaride, Pelham, Bowden they all kind of like intertwine and yeah so this episode picks up with the next morning and Severide's making coffee. Stella checks in with him. And, you know, she reassures him from the conversation the night before that, like, she absolutely wants to marry him. She says, you know, like, yes, 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 a million times yes. And she's like, well, are we good? And he's like, yeah, we're good. My problem with this is that, like, I'm, did I need another cliffhanger that picks up exactly right where this one left off? I guess no. But, like, it kind of disappoints me that their issue is communication and we don't even get to see how the conversation unfolded. Like, yes. Okay, cool. Like Stella wants to marry him. I had no doubt that she still wanted to marry him, but like, I would have loved to have seen that conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bummed that we didn't get it. I'm with you on that. I I am a little bummed that like that, that this is one area where I wish we would have picked up right where we left off where like the first episode of this episode, the first word of this episode should have been Stella being like, yes, yes, yes. A million times. Yes. Yeah. And like, it's like I said, it's nice to know that that's what she said last night. And that, you know, again, I had no doubt that she felt that way. But if their whole thing since she come back, she's come back has been like communication issues. I just wish we had seen them communicate. Yeah. Yeah. And but. and it's interesting hearing Severide be like, no, we're good. Like, it doesn't seem like we're good. Are you sure? No, and Stella clearly is picking up on that. Mm hmm. And obviously that has her worried, but um, yeah. Yeah. So we end up going to shift and basically kind of the whole, the incident that starts this whole storyline is so 81 and squad three get called to this accident where a truck is slammed into electric pole. There's live wires hanging down, of course. And of course the uh, electric company is like 15 minutes out, which is way too long. So Pelham gets 81 to like handle the live wires while squad is tasked to extricate the driver. So there's a transformer that sits at the top of the pole. It's on fire and it looks like it's about to explode, which it does. And the thing that 
it killed me was that like Pelham's yelling at it, you know, like being like, it's about to explode. Everyone get away or whatever. And everyone else like kind of takes a step back and Severide instead takes a step towards the truck to like shield himself. I'm like, that is just so Severide. Just Severide things. Yeah. It definitely Severide. Do you think Severide's turnout gear is made of vibranium? <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Uh, for him, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Why not? Sure, sure. Why it's not? Made of vibranium. Why not? Yep. So engine 37 shows up on the scene and Pelham gives him the orders to like charge hoses, you know, that's all that stuff. But one of their firefighters like sees a live wire that comes down like kind of right in front of her. And instead of making sure someone from 81 hears her that like, hey, there's a live wire right here. She decides to like go after the wire herself. And she ends up, of course, getting shocked right in the chest. Right in the chest. Right in the chest. But she's alive. Extremely lucky. But she's alive. And yeah. Isn't their turnout gear, like, it's not, like, rubber, but, like, their turnout gear, like, helps absorb that somewhat, right? Yeah, but I, I'd have to go back and, like, really dissect this, but mm-hmm. did she have her jacket zipped all the way up, or was it kind of, like, left hanging open? I think it was zipped. I'd have, like I said, I'd have to go back and watch it, but, mm-hmm. um, anyway, but, yeah, she's alive, lucky to be alive. So they get back to the house and Sev mentioned something to Pelham about the fact that like he thinks the transformer was actually faulty and Pelham just kind of like tucks that in for now. So later on, Bodum finds Pelham like working on his report from earlier and tells him that the firefighter, Sarah, who got hurt on the call earlier, is saying that the whole thing is Pelham's fault. Because she is saying that he ordered her to secure the live wire without the proper equipment. But of course, we all know, because we watched it, that that's not what happened at all. Nope. And of course, like, everyone in the house believes him. But nobody can officially, like, corroborate the story and, like, say for sure that, like, that didn't happen. We can. We saw it. (laughs) Yeah, we can. But no one in the house can. But of course, so they're having this whole conversation and everyone's like, yeah, I support you. You know, we got your back, you know, all that stuff. And Stella is like a little hesitant because as she tells Severide, she knows Sarah a little. Sarah used to volunteer with Girls on Fire. And Stella's like, you know, she just doesn't seem like the kind of person that would lie. And Severide just kind of snaps back at her. He's like, I don't know Sarah, but I know him and he's solid. And she's like, okay. Yeah, awkward. So later on after shift, Severide finds Pelham at Molly's and he mentions that, you know, he was like, I was talking to my guys and we think that the third wire came down when the transformer blew. And he's like, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to swing by the scene in the morning to have another look at the transformer. And Pelham asks if he can tag along. And I did love this moment though. Pelham barely has been in the house for like two seconds and he can already, he's like very perceptive. He's like, what's the deal with you and OFI? He's like, you get a side gig or something. And (laughs) Severed's like, well, no, but kind of. He's like, it's like a hobby. And I'm just like, only you would call arson investigation a hobby, but yeah. Okay yeah he didn't nail it though when he when he said he's like i guess it's in the blood like yeah i mean yeah that's a that's a good way to say it i mean i would say that he's just like got a gift but like yeah yeah a gift that he got passed down from benny i guess talk arson to me kelly 
Um, so Stella decides to take matters a little bit in her own hands, and she actually goes to visit Sarah at PT and to, like see how she's doing, ask a few questions about like what really happened at the scene. But Sarah is not budging. She doesn't give anything up. She's like, you know, that's what's in the report. Full story. You know, I don't have anything else to add. But Stella tried. So Severide and Pelham go to the scene and they start talking to, to the guy from the power company. And the guy from the power company is like, yeah, you know, there's 50 gallons of oil that goes into these things. And he could like seem really careless that he's there. And so Sev's like, you mind if we take this off your hands? And the guy's like, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too. Cause then when Severide realizes that it was only half full, he's like, wait, if that had exploded and it was like full, full, we all would have died. Yeah. And of course, like now that he's actually back on the scene, Pelham remembers he's like, for sure. He was like, the truck was here. Sarah was, you know, she was on the other side. She's like, there's no way I couldn't even see her, let alone like having given her a verbal command. So we go back to the shift the next time. All accounts from basically like 81, squad three and 37 are in. And of course, like none of them back up Sarah's account, but they don't contradict her either. So again, we're just kind of in this gray space. Pelham's in trouble and but Pelham is like no like I know what I did you know I didn't do that I'm he's like never been more sure in his entire life and Stella though mentions because Stella it's Stella Severide and Pelham in Bowden's office and Stella mentioned she's like you know actually I went to go see Sarah and then she's like "Eh, but I like got this weird defensive vibe you know like something's definitely up (laughs) so I love that to you know van meter shows up and of course because they took the transformer back to the firehouse and so van meter comes and he's like yeah of course like severide solved a case duh you know <laughs> duh but then he's like oh he's like seeker's gonna be upset that you saw this one without her um, and we don't speak her name inside yeah, the firehouse no and he's like, she keeps bugging me about bringing me back on other cases. I'm like, no, she can stay the fuck away. Get her a glass of water instead because she's fucking thirsty. <laughs> Have you been holding that in all night? No. That was good. <laughs> no, that was I just, good. no, I actually haven't. Um, That's good. I, but yeah, she just <sighs> like, she's not even in this episode and she makes me mad same same like just like back it up back it up yeah yeah and of course stella's like looking on and she of course takes note of the fact that the seeker was mentioned and she uh, kind of just files that away in her brain for future conversations you know what it is with seeker it's like it, she she's like a toddler like when you go into like somewhere like a store or something you've got to be like listen you can look but don't touch like yeah. you can look at kelly do not touch do not talk. Do not touch. Like, you can just look. That's it. We all love Kelly, but we would never take him away from Stella. Hell no. Her, I'm not Hell sure. no. I don't trust her. No way. Never have. Mm-hmm. So, Bowden goes to visit the chief that's, like, over 37, and, you know, he wants to ask questions about Sarah, and the chief's just like, yeah, she's great, you know, hard worker, you know, all the stuff, whatever. Nothing bad to say about her. And then he's like, oh, well, Bowden, you're actually the second DDC to ask about her today. And Bowden's like, well, who else, you know, who else did? And of course, it's her good old friend, Chief Kilborn, who, guy. of course, came 
right after the accident and before Sarah filed her accusation. And, you know, it's just like this motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Like he needs, he needs a job or like a hobby. I was going to say, well, he does have a job, but. Well, he needs another job on top of his job because he obviously is not busy enough. So Bowden goes to pay Kilborn a visit and he is pissed. So pissed. And so Bowden basically confronts him about like pressuring Sarah into accusing Pelham. And um, Bowden's just like, well, can you deny it? And the guy, Kilborn's like, well, can you prove it? Um, and Kilborn just basically stands his ground. He's like, you know, I told you Pelham was bad news. Like, this is on you, which no, it's not. It's nowhere near on Bowden and it's nowhere near on Pelham. This is all fucking Kilborn. Kilborn but also, fault. can you prove it is pretty much an admission of like, yeah, I did it. Yeah, but there's no proof that he did it. So, and I mean, Sarah being the only witness and she doesn't seem to change her mind right now. So people like that who do shady shit and are like, I can get away with it are like the worst kinds of humans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's why I said this motherfucker, like. No, yeah, no, exactly. Like people who do shady shit because they know they can get away with it. Like worst, 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 most toxic humans. Yeah. So Bowden is comes, you know, comes after 51 and is telling Pelham all about this. And Pelham just tells him, you know, like Kilborn's pissed because Pelham ratted his friend out into early retirement. And he says, you know, my only crime was not following the old school code of turning a blind eye. Something is weird here. Weird how? Like that doesn't seem like a, it, it doesn't seem like it's worth Kilborn going through all of this trouble. Like that's I mean a- and that's a pretty big vendetta against, like, one firefighter for that. But we've kind of seen similar on the PD side of things. We've kind of seen similar, remember, when, um, oh, gosh, is that the season seven? The first time Atwater had the whole, you know, blue lives matter versus black lives matter storyline where the the cops end up coming and he has that powerful is that the season seven finale when he's standing in the street and he's like i'm right here yeah and he has all the guys you know kind of against him because the guy who died you know it was like their friend or whatever yep yep like i mean we've kind of seen similar you know that was very much a like well if you're not fucking with us if you fucked with us then you're not fucking with us kind of thing like you Mm -hmm. don't mess with us kind of you know the brotherhood situation so, like, we've kind of seen it on the PD side, but, like, I don't know. It didn't seem that unbelievable to me. It's, it makes more sense if it's a brotherhood type thing. It just, it, it seems like Kilborn's reaction is, like, way out of proportion. Like, that would be, like, if something happened to you that was, like, minor, and I was, like, I'm gonna go make this person's life hell. Like, for example's sake... Just for like, okay, like, let's say like our friend Rachel or something did something to you that was like super minor. And then I was like, I'm going to get her canceled on the internet and like fired from her job. Like, it's kind of like that. It's like completely out of proportion to me is what it seems like. But it makes more sense if you put it in the context of the whole brotherhood thing. Yeah, that's the only way it makes sense. But I don't think if from that perspective, it's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. But anyway. So then Severide and Stella come home from shift and like something seems off with Stella. And so Severide just like straight up asks her about it. How come you never mention anything about working that big case with Seeger? Are you serious? I just think it's odd that you never 
You never brought it up once. I'm sure I would have if you picked up my calls. I'm sorry. I know. I can't help but feel like maybe you can't totally forgive me. You apologized. I accepted it. You're the one who won't let it go. I let you, I let you down, and I let Bowden down. You explained it I'm... to us, you explained it. You need time to figure things out. No one is perfect. Not even Stella Kid. Maybe I just. Um... I really want to be the perfect one for you. Yeah, I don't like it when mom and dad fight. I don't like it when mom and dad fight, but I, I didn't like that Stella brought this up with about Seeker. I didn't like that. They have, I mean, we've been saying it now for a couple weeks, but like their communication issues are like serious. <sighs> like, was it was it like a, a a makeup type thing that like and like in soccer we call it a makeup call if like one team gets a red card and then the ref like red cards the other team's makeup call like is it kind of that because like Severide asked Stella last week like were you with someone else so like she was just kind of like returning the question just to be thorough like it was weird it was weird I mean here's the thing I don't think I think Stella I mean clearly we feel the same way Stella definitely like Seeker Stella definitely has a right to be, have her feelings about Seeger and like Seeger's relationship with Kelly, especially because she knows, I mean, she's not stupid. Stella's not stupid. She knows that some Seeger has feelings for Kelly. And, you know, if you're not careful, then Seeger may do something, you know, like I, you know, Stella, I think is in the right to have that. Yeah. But I do think she was like, the way she handled it and she was like well how come you never mentioned you know working the thing with Seeger and Severa is just like well you didn't like when was I supposed to tell you he can't mention it if you don't answer the phone yeah like what was he supposed to do like yeah you an owl I'm curious though because I saw a lot of talk about this on Twitter did you did Severide's tone and the way he answered Stella though did that bother you at all his tone didn't bother me it just like I still don't believe that everything's okay with them no it's not I mean I think the ending and we'll get there in two seconds was like a great step towards it being okay again but I don't think there that was not them being 100% happy and in love again now like 
they still have a lot to work through. I think I, I think Kelly's conflicted right now, right? Because I, I think he meant everything he said here that like, you are the perfect one for me. Like, no, he meant that. Like, he absolutely meant that. But I think he's still kind of working out his feelings about the whole thing. And like, he does, I think, I think he's saying like, no, I'm good. Like, we're good. It's okay. Like, you're the perfect one for me. And I think he means that while also on the same side being like, I'm still kind of hurt. Like, I'm hurt, but we're still good. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I agree. I don't think Severide definitely, like I believed, and this is the first time I've actually believed something Severide said in a little bit, just because he seems so passive that like, Mm -hmm. it's been hard for me to really believe what he's saying, but I actually really, like you said, I believe him in this moment that he believes, you know, that she is the perfect one for him. I believe all of that. Mm -hmm. I I still stand by the fact that, that they're clearly not communicate. Like there's still a lot to talk about. Yeah, Stella clearly has a lot of feelings because I don't think until this moment, obviously Severide had no idea that she was feeling, you know, like she let him and Bowden down and that, you know, she's feeling the pressure to be perfect all the time. But I, and, you know, I don't think Stella really fully realizes that like Severide is hurt by the fact that she goes to him. I think she is somewhat of an idea, but not to the full extent. So I think they just need to communicate. I'm going to keep saying that every week until <laughs> I feel like they're good again. They are, need to communicate. And I think they're on their way back to being the stellar ride we know and love, but they've still got some work to do. But also, what else is there to talk about? I feel like both of them had, have said their piece. Like, what else could they possibly say? I mean, you know, Kelly I said- feel- I feel like Severin hasn't really fully expressed how hurt he was. Like, I think he said some things, but I feel like he has a lot more to say. And maybe he's not saying it because he doesn't want to hurt her. Yeah, and maybe that's it. But I feel like Severide was really hurt. Especially because, like I was saying last week, like, the thing that Stella always preached, she then didn't do. Mm -hmm. And that is communicate. Like you could be in the worst mood and you could say, I don't want to talk about it yet, but I will when, you know, like, you know, I will when I'm ready or whatever. And so I'd be like, okay, that's fine. Like, I'll give you space now, whatever. And like, that's all Severide wanted, mm-hmm. which is just like, even if you just respond like, hey, I'm not, you know, ready to talk right now, but I'll talk to you in a few days. Like, I think Severide would have been okay with that. And she didn't do that. Yeah. But yet that's what she had been preaching. And I think that really hurt him. Mm-hmm. And I think he started to somewhat express it. I just think there's more there. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I just, it, 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 Kelly, Kelly's tone didn't bother me because like, what is she, what, what does she want him to do? Right. She's like, well, why didn't you tell me you were hanging out with Seeger? Because you weren't responding to his text or his calls. Did you want him to text it to you so you could ghost that too? Like, right. It's a, it's a two-way street. I mean, that that's... Right, and what was she supposed to do? Like, the minute you walk through the door, be like, hey, glad you're back. By the way, I did a case with Seeger. Like... Yeah. How, what the, how does that work? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So then this episode ends, though, and we get to see Bowden going to visit Pelham, and Bowden has some bad news, though. The review board has reached a conclusion and they are recommending termination what the fuck it didn't surprise me based on remember we last week when we read an episode descriptions and there was the episode description for next week which is basically something about like the house going to bat for one of their own or something and we were like oh that's going to be stella and uh severide for pelham so this didn't surprise me but it's still messed up 
doesn't make sense. Like you're they're, like, they're not even listening to his side of the story. No, I think they listened. I just don't think they can corroborate. You know, they have no proof. Listen, I think it's just as messed up, but I, you know, I think that's why. Someone from PD is going to find pod footage and like solve the problem. Yeah, it's going to be fine, but. Hopefully. I, I'm not ready to say bye to Brett Dalton yet. I want him to stick around. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about this. Mm. Okay, it's obviously been a little while now. I think a lot of people have kind of felt up and down about, like, what do you feel about Pelham? Do you want him to stick around? Like, are you liking him? Like, what do you, what are you feeling? I like him. I don't, I don't mind him. He really doesn't bother me. Like, he doesn't bother me. Like, with most people who come into this universe, most, asterisk on, like, Archer, um, I'm like, hey, you're new. Like, welcome your family. And that's exactly how I feel about Pelham. It, it, he doesn't bug me. Like, I'm, I'm totally cool with it. I actually like having Brett Dalton on Chicago Fire. I mean, I watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so of course, like, it's nice to see him. I don't mind him. I don't mind him. I'm just kind of eh. Like, I don't hate him like I did in the beginning. I don't have, like, negative ill will or anything towards him. But, like, I don't love him. I'm not like, oh my God, yes, he has to stick around. Like, oh my, you know, yeah. this is my new lieutenant. Like, no, like, I'm just like, eh. and that's nothing against Brett Dalton. I just think for Pelham, and I honestly think this was kind of going to be for whoever, and I know this isn't fair, but I think this is kind of just the way it was going to be for whoever filled that lieutenant spot on truck, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, yes, they could have made him even worse, but like, I think it was always just going to feel... It doesn't, you know, and I'm not saying that he's not a good lieutenant or anything like that, but it just doesn't feel like it feels temporary. Even if the, he stays for the rest of the season, it still just feels temporary. Yeah. And it just, it's not his spot. And if this ends in him getting terminated, it's still not going to feel right. That, well, it would make sense though. Like if he were to get terminated, then Stella would have to step up as lieutenant. Um but I don't want, I don't want, I don't want that either. I, I want don't her to want, want that. It. Yeah. I want her to want it and I want her to be ready for it. Yeah. And I don't want that. So like, like I said, I'm not opposed. Like if Pelham sticks around for the rest of the season or, you know, whatever, like I have no problems with that, but like, I'm not attached to Pelham. I don't think I will be. It feels, you know, it's just kind of like, he's definitely feeling like a placeholder for, you know, uh Casey but also Stella t- to then eventually move into that spot so I'm just kind of like I'm just kind of in the middle of the road Meh. yeah like yeah I'm just I'm not ready to say goodbye to him yet because then I'm gonna feel like I'm like oh fine I invested something in this character and it was for nothing like I hate feeling like that so yeah I don't know I don't know I'm not like attached attached but I don't mind him I'm just like no you're cool you can stay he's fine he's yeah fine. he's fine he's fine I would not kick him off the squad table. The squad table? Well, I, I was sitting at the squad table and he were sitting there. I wouldn't kick him off of it. But like, I get, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> wrong company. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, so um, lots of listener thoughts. Um, Whitney S. said, can you talk about Severide's aggression and frustration towards Stella? I didn't like how he talked to her at all. He acted so surprised and mad that she talked to McBride, but then when she asked about Seeger, it's her fault. No. A simple text of, hey, I'm going to drinks with Seeger would have been fine. She wouldn't have responded to that either. And it's not like that. It, it wouldn't have. 
And I almost yeah. feel like that would have been wrong too. To be, like, if Severi did that as a way to get Stella to talk about to hurt him, mm-hmm. that also I think would have felt wrong. Yeah. Um. Like, I try to think about it in terms of like, if this were me, and like, Charlie's friends are all guys, so like, I would I wouldn't have to worry about that. Now I have friends who are guys, like men and women, but I mean, I I wouldn't. I would only let him know if like he was like waiting for me to be home. If he was out of town, I would probably just tell him the next day and be like, hey, I went out for drinks with like this guy friend, that guy friend. And he would have been like, cool, whatever. Like if she's already ghosting you and she's not responding to your messages, I don't think he had a responsibility to tell her. Yeah. I do say, I will agree though, that it was weird. Like Severi, like, cause Stella mentions that, you know, when she goes to see Sarah, that she's like, oh yeah, it was off shift. Like, well, Severi and Stella live together. So does that mean they didn't talk about anything they did that day off shift or like when they got home? Like, I don't know. I thought it was a little weird that Severi seemed surprised. And like, that was just like kind of awkward. Yeah. 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 Heather B said on the Pelham storyline, I like that they're showing Severide and Pelham on a united front and not pitted against each other. It's no seven Casey having cigars, but I like them working together and having both Bowden and Severide's allegiance is definitely going to help Pelham going forward with this DDC Kilborn issue. Having them united is really nice. I am glad that they didn't decide to like pit them against each other. Like that is nice because having pitting them against each other just would have made things like a pain in the ass. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then she went on to say that the Stellarite ending was so sweet. I can't imagine what their wedding is going to look like or what a fire or what fire emergency is going to interrupt it. But fingers crossed, we actually get it to see it this season. Oh my God. Please don't let a fire emergency interrupt their wedding. Like, no, no. They got engaged in a fire. That's enough. Yeah. We don't need Or even a situation like where Cruz then has the like bandage over his forehead because he got knocked in the head. Like, we don't need that either. No, no. No. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, Megan R said, Stella being a part of the investigation, love to see it. I really hope that Seeker gets her ass kicked, as Casey once said, and Stella should be the one to do it. <laughs> Hell, yeah. I, I, Hell yeah. I would be here for it. I would, I would be kind of here yeah. for it. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Jamie R said, I'm not sure where I stand on the Pelham storyline. There's more going on behind the scenes with McBride and Kilborn. It's way too shady. I fully believe Pelham about where he was standing in relation to her and the truck in that call. Well, we fully believe it because we saw it. Yeah. Um, and she said, I want to like him and give him a chance, but I miss Jesse. I know we all miss Jesse. We yeah. all miss Jesse. I know. I know. Um, and then Lizzie K said, I don't even know how to word this, but what the fuck is going on with Stellarite? <laughs> All of this makes no sense. Kelly has put her through so much shit over the years that she is forgiven, but he can't move past this. At the same time, I think I'm glad they are finally communicating, question mark. <laughs> I love the question marks. It's so accurate. Yeah. They're communicating, but this is weird. They're communicating, but they're not really communicating. They still have work to do, so I'm going to keep preaching it every week, but yeah. 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 yeah oh my goodness oh my goodness moving into brett 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 okay so sylvie gets back to the firehouse after a really great trip to portland and she's super pumped because her sister and scott are coming to visit my heart oh, that's so cute oh my goodness so she hasn't been going out to rockford as much remember rockford's like an hour hour and a half away um because yeah. she's been going to oregon to see matt and so they're staying for a couple of days they're gonna do a bunch of fun stuff and so they go to the aquarium also okay so the little girl who plays amelia what a cutie oh she my was God. precious 
Oh my goodness. Her uh, her mom posted some pictures like behind the scenes on Instagram and like the cutest little girl. I know. I I I, I can't. Oh my it's goodness. Cuteness. Oh my I goodness. Can't. Okay, yeah, just the cuteness. So they go to the aquarium. Scott's like, hey, how's everything going with Matt? And Sylvie's like, no, it's totally fine. Like, that's great. And she says, she's like, it's amazing when we're together, but it's never long enough. And while they're talking, Amelia's just like, Matt. Ugh. I die. I, I die. Know. I, I die. It's so cute. And Sylvie's like, you know who this is? And she says it again. She's like, Matt, Matt, Matt. Oh my God. It's so cute. Um, and her, her phone background is a picture of Matt. I just, I LOL production using that picture of Jesse from One Chicago Day last year as Sylvie's background. I just, so I so thought that was funny. It's not even really a picture of Matt. It's a picture of Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, while that was, while that picture was like happening, I just want to like set the, set the scene here. While that picture was like that picture of Jesse, while that, that moment was going on, Brian and I were furiously texting each other back and forth. Just be like, he looks amazing. Oh my God. Blue is his color. That's what was happening. Well, I'm like, the light was just shining. It just, oh, it yeah. all worked. It all it's, worked. Yeah. So yeah. think about that next time you see Sylvie's phone background was us just being like, he looks so good. <laughs> Accurate. Oh Accurate. Accurate. So then Scott and Amelia, they come find Sylvia as she's leaving shift and they're heading out. And Scott just mentions, like, we'll come down to Chicago a little more. When Julie and I first started dating, I had a lot of business travel. Carving out time together was hard, but we made it work. I look back now, and I wish just one more movie night on the couch. That ski trip to Boyne we kept meaning to take. My hope for you, that you get as much time as possible with Matt. So, we'll come to you for a little while. Deal? Deal. Julie reference. I know, this is just like all the tears. My heart. All the tears. Like Scott and Julie were married, and then Julie just like, oh, I know. Interesting. So I went. So does that mean we're going to see more Scott and Amelia? Because I'd be totally cool with that. I don't know if we're going to see more Scott and Amelia, but I guess we're definitely going to see more Brett going to Oregon. I mean, like I don't know. I don't know where they're really going with. Yeah, I was just when they brought when they brought it up at the aquarium. I was like, (laughs) what are you? What? Why? What are we doing? I mean. It's kind of hard because, you know, nothing is confirmed. The rumor, putting this out there, mm-hmm. the rumor, the the rumor going There's around the internet. Zero to substantiate this. Absolutely yes, zero. We have no information. The rumor going around the internet is that Kara is pregnant. And that is why this kind of is all working out the way it's working out. And, you know. It would make sense if that, like, she is just like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And like, oh, oh, so conveniently she can go open a, you know, start a paramedicine team out in Portland and she can go visit Matt and stay for a little bit. You know, like, it just makes all the sense in the world. That's kind of where they're going. And like, that's, you know, fine, you know, but it would just, I feel like that's kind of where they're going with something along those lines. But again, it's a rumor. 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 We don't theory. know anything. We, we know don't know anything. Nothing. nothing. It and is there, a yeah. 
It is a rumor. Rumor. There's zero to substantiate it. And honestly, like that is Kara's business. If that is the case, congratulations yeah, for sure. to her. If that's the case, it is completely her business. If we are dead wrong, then we are dead wrong and it's none of our business. Like I said, it just would make sense if that is where they're going that like obviously she mm-hmm. wants to spend more time with Matt and so she finds a way to like take paramedicine mm-hmm. with her because that's the only way I feel like that really makes sense yeah is to be like oh I'm gonna go set up a paramedicine team in Portland and I can stay for like three months and be gone you know like that's the only reason I feel like that makes sense but again for the record nobody knows anything anything nobody rumor knows. Yeah. rumor <laughs> It's all theories. Nobody yes. knows a thing. But that's the only like, so that's the only reason I think that storyline makes sense and why Scott said all that is that like I feel like that's what they're building up to, but again, don't know anything. Yeah. So yep. Yep. Yeah. So moving on into Violet. Oh man. Violet this is my from- favorite storyline of the whole night. Violet from president. I love her so much. I just I love everything about this. Okay. <sighs> so Again, Brett's coming back from shift and, or from her, not shift, Derek, she's coming to shift from her trip from Oregon and Violet's telling her, you know, all about her experience with Hawkins as a floater and how impressive he was, you know, and just like, again, LOL at Gallo hearing the conversation and being jealous, just like he cannot keep a straight face. It's, it, yeah, he is, he's very green in this episode. Very, very green with envy. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And so later on in shift, Violet comes to Brett and tells her that she's actually learned that she is receiving the clinical resuscitation award for saving the newborn. And of course, Brett's ecstatic. She's like, Violet, this is such a big deal. And Violet's like, I don't really know. You know, she's like very surprised and unsure about the whole thing, which is very unlike Violet. So it's kind of like, okay, something's wrong here. Yeah. And of course, then Gallo finds out about the award and also the fact that Hawkins is the one that gave it to her. And he is a mix of jealous and annoyed and just like, again, very green in this episode. It was the tangent he went on that was really funny when he's like, it's great that Violet's getting an award, but like, isn't that weird that it came from Hawkins? Like Hawkins is her boss and he's just like going on and on. And it's like, oh, you're still talking. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So an envelope comes for Violet from headquarters and it's got a certificate for her award and like a note from Chief Hawkins. It's just like so sweet. And I loved it. And she goes and put it in her walker. And this is what you were talking about. Like Gallo mentions to Ritter. She's like, he's like, does Hawkins have ulterior motives? Like, uh, you know, especially you consider like the fact that the old paramedic field chief barely came around and Ritter's just like, do you think you're reacting this way because you have feelings for her and you blew it? <laughs> and Gallo's like, no, no, no. Like, it's just wrong. I mean, he's your boss. Yada, yada, yada. And she's like, Gallo, no. No, no. I did enjoy it. That was kind of a cell phone when like Gallo's like, well, the old paramedic chief was never around. That's like a Chicago fire, like self-awareness, cell phone of like, we know we've never had a paramedic chief until now. Yeah. 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 So they leave. So later on, Ambo gets called out to this like disgusting roach in a near call. It's <laughs> like so gross. Um, and again, Violet's a total badass in it though. And so they leave and Violet mentions to Brett that like, she comes clean about like what she's feeling about this whole thing. So she mentions to Brett that she thinks she got the award because of like the feelings that have developed between her and Hawkins. And she's like, you know, nothing's happened, but like there was a vibe. 
Mm-hmm. Her words exactly. There was a vibe. I mean, yep. I think there was more than a vibe, but like there was a vibe. And so Brett reassures her though. She's like, you're a great medic and you deserve that award. And that's all she says. She doesn't even question the fact that like Violet's and Hawkins or anything. She didn't say anything about that. She's just like, you're a great medic and you deserve that award. Okay. So Violet goes to Hawkins' office and like straight up basically asks him why he gave her that award. You don't think you deserve it? I, I don't I don't know. I mean maybe. Violet, there's no maybe. You do. Okay, so it's not like you have um feelings for me or anything like that. Right? Well, I, uh, um, I don't let personal issues affect my decision-making at work. Okay. Okay. Good. Well, then, thank you. make an effort to stay away from each other at least for a while that's a really really good idea i mean i love and hate this all at the same time (laughs) we were so close to a kiss and it was gonna be so good my god the sexual tension i die it was like the slow steps towards each other oh my god, oh my god. i literally even was re-watching it again i rewatched it like i don't even know how many times but i was re-watching it this morning and it still just gives me chills like it's that good we were so close and it was gonna be so good so good but like so of course i the thing i also loved about violet and i just i love i've always loved this about violet she just says what is straight up on her mind yeah like, she's just like you know, because he's all about, you know, like, no, like, there's no maybe you deserve, you know, like, you deserve this award. And she's like, okay, so it's not like you have feelings for me. And she just said it straight up says it. And I just, I love that about her. That could have gone so sideways, too. Like, what if she had said it and been completely misreading it? And Hawkins was like, what? Yeah. But obviously he doesn't because he doesn't even try to deny it. He's just like, well, you know, I don't let personal issues affect my decision making at work. Which is probably uh, bullshit. Um, I'm going to call bullshit on that right now obviously obviously <laughs> uh, but then we get this ending where he's like i think we should make an effort to stay away from each other and violet's like yeah i agree and i'm just like no <laughs> i think that's a terrible idea <laughs> yeah um obviously we've seen the promo photos for next week that does not happen <laughs> oh but if they if their first kiss happens at the gala oh it's gonna be so oh good. my god oh my god this is gonna be like linstead's first kiss where it's like fireworks electricity and you're like this is everything i wanted okay so let's let's talk about this though because this was like hakami's been just like a big deal on social media in general and it was a big debate in our group chat today buzz Um, it's insane it's wild i've never honestly we've been in this fandom now for like years like a long time yeah and i've never seen anything like this Right, right. You guys, it's when, crazy. We, when we put out the call for questions for Jimmy, I'm not kidding when I say like five or six questions were, can we keep him? Like the well, buzz has been wild. We were talking about it too. Like I've just never even seen, I mean, we've had, you know, a lot of, we've done a lot of interviews already so far this year. Mm-hmm. And like, 
I swear we got way more questions for Jimmy than we have like any of those yeah combined like I mean which is great and I love it but like it's just wild um but I guess we again we kind of talked about this in our group chat earlier but I'm just curious like where you fall on the Violet Hawkins debate like the gallo of it all like where like let's talk about it all right I'm 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 gonna be like just honest like honest honest okay so as I said in the group chat today it's interesting right because usually when they bring in another character to be like the foil to the main ship it's pretty much a slam dunk that you're like fuck that guy I want them together this is the first time that I'm like wait a second the grass might be greener on the other side and I don't think I've ever had that feeling before and I I here's what I said in the group chat today which is going to get some tomatoes thrown at me but like okay Hawkins is proving to us, not proving to us, but Hawkins is showing us that Gallo, while adorable, is a boy. Okay? Hawkins yep. is a man. Yep. That is what like that is what his presence is showing us. Yeah. I don't think that's going to get you tomatoes thrown at all. I think most people will probably agree with you. Um, yeah. And you know, it's funny because we, I think you and I both felt the same way that Obviously, we like the idea of Violet and Gallo, right? Like, we are Violet and Gallo. We do like Violet and Gallo together. Mm-hmm. And I think, going back to what you said about being the foil and all that stuff, like, when this kind of first happened, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be basically, like, the Granger-Brett-Casey thing from last year, just, like, in a different situation, right? Like, I thought this was going to be Violet's Granger, and then mm-hmm. it was just going to ultimately push Gallo, her and Gallo together. I was like, okay, fine, whatever, you know, not mad at that, you know, whatever. And now it really seems like they're really pushing us not even towards like the Gallo, like Gallo, I feel like just keeps getting like pushed away and we're really going on the Hawkins and Violet of it all. And I'm not mad at it at all. I'm really enjoying it. And especially because they've chosen not to have them hook up right away. Like they really, it feels like they're building a slow burn. Yeah. And I like it. I mean, I hate it because I love to hate a good slow burn, but like I love it and hate it at the same time. But, you know, I am curious about, and I threw this out in the group chat. I'm curious. I think they'd be smart, you know, like with all the reaction, right, has happened in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. It seems like at least based on our conversation with Jimmy that like, I think the writers had picked up on it before, obviously we were seeing those episodes and that they've kind of shifted their plans to maybe include more Hawkins for the next little bit. Um, But I am curious in terms of scripts and like, obviously now the reaction is happening, but I I don't know what episode they're writing, but I would assume like 16, you know, like, I don't, you know, how far, like, I'm just curious, is it enough time to pivot if it's really where they decide now they want to go? Have they already started pivoting and we're just kind of picking up on it? Like, I will be curious to see how it plays out. Um, But I I can't wait to talk to Derek in the spring and find out like, what was the original plan? Was this something where like you met Jimmy and you saw him and you were like, oh, we're keeping him around. Right. Especially based on what he, you know, he said in our conversation too. Like, mm-hmm. I I am really curious. Um, it's very smart of them because it's working. And this is honestly, I think, been my favorite thing all season. Yeah. Like, the thing I've been most excited for, the thing I've loved. I am, like, dying for next week's episode. I cannot wait to see what happens. 
and the gala and like Please Jimmy kiss. wouldn't tell Please us anything kiss. but the bruised knuckles like I have so many does he get does he punch someone I just I have questions I, I have so, so many questions. hard when he was like the internet's like zooming in on my knuckles I'm like oh you saw you saw that exact tweet we saw the same tweet today okay <laughs> but he also didn't deny it so like he's at the gala so he he can't punch anybody from like 51 you don't know that we didn't see gallo but he's at the, the gala. like there's no he's like no how do you know that that didn't happen pre-gala why surely he would be suspended from the gala for punching gallo <laughs> i don't know i'm making things up i Punch, have no idea like, <laughs> i'm punching no idea, gallo but... would not be very nice i would it get him no. on my shit list it kind of would like, I, like I said, I don't know. I'm just throwing out theories here. But, like, he did not deny the fact that his knuckles are, are bruised. bruised. It, could, it could be from a call. Maybe, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, he didn't deny it. And I just, like I said, but I, I'm so invested in this right now. Like, it's the thing that makes me excited for fire again. Because I haven't been feeling that way in the last little bit. It makes me excited about it. I hope the writers choose to lean into this because this is good shit. And mm-hmm. I just want more and more and more of it. I, I'll just I'll just out and say it. I think Violet's been the brightest part, the brightest spot of season 10 so far. Like Oh, 100%. Yeah, Violet's 100%. been the shining star of the season. 100%. And I just, I've always loved Violet. I know... And not that I had anything against Mackie, but I just, I was kind of bummed when we didn't get Violet in those first little bit and that Violet mm. wasn't the immediate choice. Was so glad when she ended up joining, you know, obviously in later season nine and she's just, she's my favorite. I adore her. Yeah. I just, like I said, this has been the thing I've been most excited about and I'm so excited to see where Violet and Hawkins go. Like, yes, so Hanako, please come back on the podcast. Please please i didn't get to meet you so please <laughs> oh yeah that was just yeah. me yeah it was just you yep. we'll have to make that happen i got questions for her for sure for sure um also thank you hanako for tweeting us a question for jimmy <laughs> yes oh my god and calling him out it was the oh best. beautiful art Mwah, chef's kiss yeah oh man it. yeah so we got some listener thoughts on this. Heather B said, Gallo's reactions in the background of Violet and Brett's conversation was phenomenal. And I hope they keep playing this Gallo-Violet-Hawkins triangle out as long as possible. Yeah. Yep. And it kind of going off of that too, I meant, I forgot to mention this earlier, but something else I put in the group chat was that I think eventually down the line, even if that's like two seasons from now, they're going to eventually have to give Violet and Gallo a real chance, right? Like I feel yeah. like they've played it up too much. You know, it's been the thing kind of since season eight. And even in season eight, when they were hooking up, they were just hooking up. They weren't like really together. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they've put too much into that for them never to try. Not to say at this point, I don't even know. I've been saying up until this point that like Gala was her in game. And, but like, I don't even know anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where they're going with this, but like, I feel like at some point they're going to have to try. That would kind of seem weird if they didn't try, mm-hmm. but like, so I do think it will be a triangle at some point, but like right now, let's just ride the Violet Hawkins side. I'm oh, like so here yeah. for that. Um, also, if you haven't listened to our interview with Jimmy yet, we know the captain of the Hawk Ami ship and it is, it is Jimmy. Jimmy is the It captain. is Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy is, is the OG the shipper. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Love it. So good. Um, Lois said to your tweet as to why Violet seems so off about not receiving the award. I think that you're right that maybe she 
think she got it because they might like each other, but two, maybe it's a cultural thing as well. If you want to go there, question mark, you know, be humble. Don't draw attention to yourself, not deserving the the recognition because it's your job. Always do well in your job, you know, et cetera, et cetera. She said, from my Asian perspective, I thought Hanako played this so well. I could feel the angst between the recognition and the fact that they may have feelings for each other and the be humble aspect. Who knows where Derek wanted to go with it, but if it was cultural, he was spot on. Cool. I never thought of it that way. I didn't either, but it makes sense. I don't think that was probably the intention, but I like that you can take that from it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Lois. That's like, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Oh man. I just want to like live in these like perfect scenes of like Hawkins and Violet for like. It's like literally all I've wanted to rewatch. It's like insane how obsessed I am with it. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's great. And it's I great. love it. But yeah. So great. Oh, if they kiss at the gala. Oh, it's going to be so good. Oh my God. Yeah. Those pictures, that dress. I, we didn't even see the dress from the front, but I already know it's going to be amazing. Oh yeah. She's going to look super hot. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um, also yes. hashtag blessed that we're going to get another gala. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> like It's been too long. It it's really been has. way too long. Really, really has. Yes. So. Moving into Herman and the B story and this radio contest. Oh my goodness. Oh boy. This was so fun. This one's pretty fun. Okay. So Herman walks into the common room with like a boom box, a legit like yeah. radio with a handle that's like blaring this radio station. And Cruz is like the fuck like what is happening right now i also too when he first walked in i was like what the fuck is going on like i am so confused Mm -hmm. so there's this contest on this radio station called hunt the fugitive and the grand prize is ten thousand dollars so they basically give clues every hour and it basically describes what like this person will be wearing and so if you find this person on the streets of chicago and you say hey like you're the fugitive you win ten thousand dollars so Herman ends up, he's like, we're doing this. Like, we're going to find it out. He ropes in Mouch, Ritter, Gallo, Cap, Tony, and Cruz. Yep. The usual suspects. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they go out on the call. They come back. They get a clue. And Ritter immediately is like, okay, that's a lyric from Raspberry Beret. Like, the very first clue is something about bears. And so they're like, okay, well, they're going to be wearing a bears jersey. I wouldn't have even gotten that. No. Over them. Um, then they get the clue about a raspberry beret, which like Ritter listens to Prince. Okay, good job. Mm-hmm. Good job. So then Herman's like, okay, well, we're going to brainstorm this. Like, I'm going to ask Bowden if we can take the rigs out for driver's training so we can go look for the fugitive. And Mouch is like, you're crazy. Like, no. And so Mouch says, he's like, God himself could not persuade Bowden to take our rigs out of our district for a radio contest. And then yeah, what do you yeah. know? 51 gets called downtown the minute those alarms went off I was like serendipity serendipity say it say it say it I know I I know I know we're 11 episodes in and we still haven't gotten the word and I'm just like maybe Derek needs a reminder he might need a reminder yeah he might he might but that would have been the perfect chance oh man so they get called downtown and by the time they get there, the fire's out. So like, they just have to help with cleanup. And so there's like, everybody's like, he's like, okay, everybody stand back. Like, you know, back it up. We're going to clean up, whatever. Totally missing the girl in like the zebra pants and the bear's jersey and the raspberry beret. And Ritter notices her, but before he can say any, anything, somebody in the crowd is like, you're the fugitive. And 
as they're leaving shift, Mouch is like, that was a big waste of time. Like, great. We just lost the 10,000 in front of everybody. And Herman goes, no, it built camaraderie, which is something you have to do as a leader. And then he's like, there's another radio contest. And I love this, how he just kept walking one direction and talking about it. Like crew split off and then like Mouch and everybody split off and Herman like didn't even realize it. Nope. It's funny. It was so good. But also like LOL at Herman, like trying to think of ways to like team bond. And like, that's what he comes up with. That's very Herman. I don't even think that was his intention, but like, that was what he had to try to take out from what is, you know, ultimately ended up being an utter failure. So, but yeah, pretty funny. Pretty funny. Um, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) I was going to say, Jamie R said that Herman, you know, Herman and stupid radio contest, the millennials need to show him how to listen live to local radio (laughs) stations on his phone. I knew it was going to backfire. My husband isn't the biggest fan of fire unless it's Herman Mouch, Bowden, and sometimes Cap. But this storyline he was actually into. He was actually looking for the fugitive in the crowd and called her out when he spotted her. That's funny. I didn't even think about the fact that, like, the millennials versus, like, yeah. What kind of phone does Herman have? He doesn't have a smartphone, does he? That is a great question. I don't know. Is there, like, are there non-smartphones even on the market these days? Yes, because I've known people that still, I have a friend from college who still has a flip phone. He's like a year older than me. Um, And then one of my best friend's moms, she had one up until recently and her phone, I don't remember which carrier she had, but they told her like, if you kept a flip phone, like we're not going to be able to give you service. Like you cannot have a flip phone anymore. So yes, there are still people that have flip phones. Okay. I'm Googling 2022 non-smartphones available. Let's see what comes up here. Huh. Can I get, there we go. Click on the shopping link. Let's see what comes up. Everything's a smartphone. Um, there's a tab. Well, I don't know if you can go buy a smartphone, but if you are not by a non-smartphone, but I think they still exist. Like, if you still have one. What's that commercial for those phones for seniors um, that, like, displays the text? Like, I, uh-huh. I don't know. All of these are smartphones. Like, I'm looking up. Yeah. Wait, let me go back to this regularly. Like, there's, I don't think there's anything. Like, there's no such thing as, like, non-smartphones in this day, in this day and age. Hang on. Let's scroll up here. Because, like, or he has a smartphone and doesn't know how to use it. Yeah. Like, I could see Ritter being like, you can, like, listen to that on your phone on Spotify. And Herman's like, the fuck is a Spotify? Like, yeah. But no. So they do. I know, like I said, I know very few, but I I have known some. Oh, there's a Nokia 225 on Amazon for $44.99. And it's a 4G cell phone. What the heck is a Nokia? That's just like a normal non yeah, like it's not the not the fa- like not the kind that had the face plates. Even though I don't think you were like alive for the face plates. Oh yeah, this guy, yeah, yeah. And then there's also well, <laughs> incoming call on like bright screen. Like yeah, he's probably got one, but like doesn't know how to work it. And then like if he goes to try and call one of the kids or something, he's got this. This is what he has right here. It's got to be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just like a brick phone for those of you who can't see, which is all of you. Um, no oh, man. The fuck is a Spotify? I could totally see it. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Any other notes on fire? No, I think that's it. Good episode. It's good. Yeah, that's good. I'm excited for next week, though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It is PD time. Um, let's stretch it out. 
because it's PD time. That's what we do. Is we stretch. Oh yeah. Even though like this wasn't a very stretchy episode, like. Yeah, I yeah. But it was good. Just stretching. Yeah, it was good. I mean, Leroy's killed it. Obviously, oh, always. I love Leroy so much. Okay, Whew, there we go. Kevin is a real estate owner. Our little Kevin. He brought. He bought the property in Burnside. I just like, want to know. I mean, maybe Kevin's just really good at savings, but like, I just how can he afford it? He Ariana Grande that shit. He saw it. He liked it. He wanted it. He got it. Proud of him. I wasn't holding on to that one either. That was good. That was like, good. I'm proud of him. Like with that episode when like he showed it to Ruzik and everybody was like, okay, that's just like silly, whatever. He, he made it happen. He did no, it. No, I think it's great. I'm happy for him. You know, I'm, I'm glad he did it, but I just, I don't know. He probably saved enough for the down payment and like, yeah, nothing there. Yay, Kevin. Yay. Our little Kev is growing up. Hey, I know. So he goes to visit Celeste and they dance in the living room. Oh my God. This was so sexy. Holy it was shit. so sexy. Damn. Ooh. These two have chemistry. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Just, oh, like we've had LaRace hugs, but like I would dance with LaRace. Oh, hell yeah. That's just, that was hot. <laughs> it was hot. It was good. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they dance in the living room and she, she got Kevin a painting from one of her students to celebrate him becoming a property owner. Ooh, these two. My heart. Yeah. Oh, there's these two. Oh my God. So Kev gets a call and he's like, oh, it's Jordan. He locked himself out of the car. And at this point I'm like, Jordan, he's still around. He's not still. Jordan around. was in Texas. He's not still around. Jordan is code for I'm lying. Kevin. Mm. no but then he tells the same thing to kim yep. like he used the jordan excuse so jordan still technically has to be around because kim would have been like that's bullshit he's not here yeah yeah but i just still assume <clears throat> jordan was in texas but i guess not this episode did gift us many awesome birdwater moments yes we were so blessed so blessed so blessed okay so kev has been getting in with this guy jimmy who works for this guy tovar and basically presses him for a big buy so we're after tovar tovar is the big fish like that's who we're after but jimmy is like his right hand man and that's who kevin is getting in with so mm-hmm. again and the first time you see the case you're like huh? what yeah it made no sense until i watched it today and i was like oh yeah that all makes sense now every time like we watch the episode live i'm not kidding every single one of our group texts we're like no clue what's happening right now nope don't even know <laughs> which is wild because we're all smart people we all get it it's just we're like something hey. about it live makes no sense and then you rewatch it like the next day and you're like oh yeah that makes absolutely sense that was great <laughs> you're like Haley's running after someone i'm really not sure why but like go Haley, go <laughs> yeah like i was very confused about the whole like ufc fight thing that have seen and i had no idea was happening and then i watched it and i was like oh my god that makes so much sense yeah yeah Yeah. so jimmy basically takes kevin to one of tovar's drop houses um which is just you know it's literally like they drop the cash pick up the drugs and go this place is fucking sweet for a drop house yeah hell yeah it is like is that really what it like really we okay all right that's expensive that had to have been real expensive for a drop house but granted if we're drug dealing then we're making a lot of money not really legally but you know yeah Uh, 
so the Berziks are watching in the van outside in the surveillance van and Kim is just like compulsively checking her phone and she's waiting for the lawyer to call like oh my goodness I can't believe we like touched on this immediately in the episode after I know it's kind of wild I mean it was one moment like blinking you'll miss it but it's better than nothing so I'll take it (laughs) I was like was that was that continuity like what huh no pd never never no like we're picking up on this now i thought we'd pick up on it in like six weeks if we remembered yeah oh my goodness so then while they're at the drop house two of tovar's other guys show up and jimmy tells kevin to give them the money and kev is pissed because he's like dude i got charged for two and a half kilos and you only gave me two but jimmy's like don't worry like we'll make it right and at that moment that's when berzik arrests jimmy and He's like, oh, fuck, like, you're a cop. I got played. Dems the brakes. Sorry, dude. So Kevin interrogates Jimmy. He's super upset that Kev lied to him. Okay. Kevin's like, listen, like, you know, be the CI. Do this for me. Like, he talks him into it pretty much for the sake of helping his brother. So he's got a brother named Nando who is, like, all into, like, UFC fights and all this stuff. And I heard Nando and I thought of Elite because Samu's brother. But that was... Nano. Nano. Close. Close. Yeah. Nando's is a restaurant. In like the UK, right? They have some here. They do? Yeah, they have them in DC. It's really good. Oh. I really, I really like Nando's. Why am I Googling this? What am I, what am I expecting to find? I don't know why I'm Googling this. (laughs) I mean, it's a chicken restaurant. Like, I don't know what you're... The official oh because I'm, I'm trying to see where they are and i know they're not here like they're they're probably in dc yeah, yeah i don't but. think they really have a ton of them i know they have a bunch well a few in dc um let's see yeah dc virginia maryland and then chicago <laughs> of all the places yeah they're, they're like that's as far as we go into the united states never mind yeah but no it's really good nice. um but Yes, Nano is um, Jaime's character. We, we digress. You know how we are. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Kevin's coming out of the interrogation room and he gets a text from Celeste and Burgess notices. And Kev's like, oh, nothing. And he, she's like, whatever, when are we going to meet her? Like, I call bullshit. What, what was happening? And he's like, all right, fine, soon. We're going to meet her soon. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I'm busted, whatever. So the plan that they come up with is for Jimmy to introduce Kevin to Tovar at Nando's next match. So Nando's going to fight. And while that's happening, Jimmy, Tovar, and Kev are going to be there. And Jimmy's going to introduce Kevin to Tovar. Again, it's, when you're watching it, you're like, huh? What? Like. And yeah. then you rewatch it and it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they're going to set up a buy for a later date and then bust him. That's the plan. That's the plan. It's totally not what happens, which like, of course, if it was what happens, then like we have no episode. So Kevin's like, okay, Jimmy, go talk to Nando. Like, that's fine. We know you want to talk to him beforehand, like whatever. And Jimmy ghosts him. Jimmy's just like, poof, I'm gone by. And so Haley sees him exiting on the side and he runs and jacks a car. So Jimmy's like in the wind, he's gone. We don't know where he is. He's just like, whatever. So he's disappeared they tap into nando's phone in case he reaches out and trudy's like okay well while that's happening we got another od from tovar so they're all just like fuck enter anna remember anna oh yes lovely lovely woman Uh, anna 
Okay, so Voight decides to reach out to her to see if he she can get any information on Jimmy and where he might be. She's got such an attitude. She's like, you called me in for this. Like, really? I'm like torn with her because like she's totally reckless, but I do love how blunt she is with Voight. It is kind of amusing. Yeah. I do like that part of her and that makes it, I guess, more tolerable, but I just don't care. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So they catch Jimmy on these traffic cams. He didn't leave town, but they still don't really know where he ends up. And then out of nowhere, Kevin gets a text from Celeste, like reminding him, hey, we were going to meet my student Like that made that painting. And like in the middle of the call, he just like up and leaves. Yeah, I didn't understand that at all. I was like, wait, that makes no sense. That was a little out of character for Kevin. One also just unrealistic. Like, you're telling me Voight didn't say anything and just let Kevin leave? Yeah. Like, that makes no sense. Okay. Huh. So they meet outside the building and this Kia with like no license plate pulls up and the Kia with no license plate, like that's Jimmy. That's like his trademark. Pulls up like across the street and Kevin's just like, uh, like what the hell? And he plays it off with Celeste. He's like, oh, I thought I knew that guy. Like nothing. Don't even worry about it. Okay. All right. Whatever. Brenna, take it from here. Okay. So Kevin arrives the next day and Burgess is like, hey, we got Jimmy on pod footage and Burnside last night. So they go to look for, you know, try to really figure out where he is. And Kevin goes with, or Kevin goes with Voight to meet Anna. Anna comes back with information. Basically, apparently Jimmy stole a bunch of money from Tovar. So of course now Jimmy's got a bounty on his head. And Anna has this conversation with Voight after Kev leaves. And she's like, you know, why is Jimmy running from you? And Voight just tells her straight up. She's like, you know, because most people would give almost anything to not be doing what you're doing. He's like, most people see it as a death sentence. That was, I'm glad Voight said that too. Cause like, I forgot for a minute that like, it's, it was normal to me that like Anna does it for the adrenaline high or like she really only does it for the money, but like, she's, she's kind of like Haley's old CI and that like, she gets off on the adrenaline. When she wants, I mean, she really is doing it to take down her old, the Los Tomatoes, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So intelligence ends up rolling up on the gym where nando had been training and they end up finding like two of tovar's guys dead and like nando's barely hanging on and nando says you know like tovar is the one who did shoot him and he was looking for jimmy but of course like that's all he knew mm-hmm. so kevin kim walk out and kim is trying to reassure kevin that he was just doing his job and that like none of this is on him and he like comes clean about everything you good yeah good Kev, I know you know these guys, but this isn't on you, okay? You did your job. You worked the CI. Burgess, I saw the great kid with the place ripped off right in front of my building yesterday. Okay. I didn't call it in because I didn't have my radio on me. Yeah, but Kev, that happens to everybody. I didn't have my radio on me because I was with Celeste. Is Celeste the girl from the case? Yes, that's the girl I've been seeing, the girl from the case. I didn't call it in. Didn't want to do it on my cell phone because I didn't want to make it a big thing. And I can't make it a thing because this girl still doesn't know that I'm a cop. How is that possible? Because my dumb ass never told her. I lied. Why would you do that? Why didn't you tell her the truth? Hey. Kev. Is it interesting to you how Ruzik, or not Ruzik, Kevin seems to confide more in Burgess than he does in Ruzik? I think it's just different friendships, right? Because mm-hmm. Burgess has been his person since the beginning. Um, you know, Burgess, like in those early seasons, like season one, I mean, like Burgess is like watching Jordan and Vanessa. Like that's just like his person. Mm-hmm. 
And so like, I don't think it worries me or anything. Like it's just, it's just different friendships. Like I, you know, I think we all have friends that we go to for different things. It's not saying he doesn't confide in Ruzik. I just don't think he would go to her, you know, go to him about this. It's yeah. It doesn't concern me. I just think it's really interesting how, like, I, I feel like he probably goes to Burgess for like feelings. Well, and, and I, yeah. And I think in this instance, it wasn't him going to her as much as it was she was asking him and he was just like, fuck it. Like, I'm, you know, yeah, I can't take this anymore. I'm just going to come clean. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree. I think he would probably go to like Kim for, you know, more feelings, emotional things than Ruzik, but not that he can't get emotional with Ruzik, but you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because like, I feel like like you look at the, the situations where like, okay, well, Ruzik, would he go to Kevin or would he go to Kim? And then like, you know, would Kim go to Kevin or Adam? And I don't know, just interesting dynamic. Yeah. I love it though. I'm not complaining. Yeah. So speaking of Ruzik though, they get interrupted ultimately by Ruzik who found Nando's phone and he had four missed calls from some like unregistered number, probably Jimmy. And then of course, all of a sudden Jimmy calls Kev. Kev is like, you like Nando's going to be okay, but I need you to come in. And Jimmy just like hangs up, of course, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they end up, long story short, basically they end up getting a location on Jimmy. Kev finds the Kia with the missing plates and Tovar's car. But of course, at first, there's no sign of either one of them. Kevin goes into the abandoned building all by himself, which I was just like, great, but okay, whatever. Any, uh, any single other person in intelligence would have done the same thing. I know, but it's just like, really? Like, I know. really? And of course, he finds Jimmy with a gun to Tovar's head. And Kevin tries to talk him down, but Jimmy ends up shooting Tovar right in the head. Oh my goodness, this moment. And then Jimmy tries to convince Kev, because the whole time Jimmy's been feeling like, you know, obviously like Kevin lied to him and mm-hmm. that, you know, he's been let down by Kevin and Kimmy or Jimmy. I was trying to combine that Kimmy. <laughs> Jimmy tries to convince Kevin to help him and, you know, say that it was self-defense. He's like, you know, one more lie, just like one more lie, please. Um, but Kevin doesn't fall for it and he sticks with the truth, um, which I was really proud of him for. I was, I was I don't, I didn't think he was going to go for it, but I was like, kind of maybe like 2% nervous that it was going to happen. I was scared there for a second. I was like, you know, I, I mean, you could do that shit with Voight, but like, yeah. And then the entitlement on Jimmy's part, where like, never mind the fact that he just committed murder. He's like, no, you owe me another lie. That is not how this works. Yeah. No. So as they're like kind of cleaning up, you know, finishing the case or whatever, Bridges tells Kev, she's like, you know, I think you've got to be honest with Celeste. And she's just like, I know I don't have to say it. And he's like, no, no, you don't. Like, I know what I got to do. So Kevin stops by Celeste's place is like once the, or Celeste's place, once the case is over and comes clean to her. What is this? I'm a cop. This some kind of some kind of joke or what no i should have told you a long time ago i don't understand all your you have house calls and and your your repair jobs you you always you always had work so what you lied to me about your job why 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 the hell would you do that because i know how you feel about cops what slash you hate cops I hate the police system. That doesn't mean that I hate every single cop in it. Yeah, it does. Why the hell do you get to say that, huh? 
How the hell would you even know that? What, you don't think that I'm capable of seeing two things at once? Celeste, what do you think of me? It's not that simple. It is. Celeste, no, it's not. Because you would have never been with me. Soon as I tell you I'm a cop, that's all you see. That's all I would be. You would have left me. And I would have been it. I would have never got to know you. Be with you. You would have been done with me. That's the truth. No. No, Kev. I would have seen you. Because I care so much about you. I would have been with you. You gotta go now, Kev. Come on. I was wrong. But you know I care about you too. So no. let's come on. You have to go now. Yeah, this one about how I expected it to. Oh man, this broke my heart, kind of. Same. I just I mean, on the one hand, like I, you know, I think I've always understood why. Like I understand why Kevin from his perspective, like he did it. Mm-hmm. But I also understand Celeste, too. I think it was wrong of Kevin to, like, make that decision for her. Like, yeah, you think you know what she might have done, but, like, you don't know for sure. Like, you yeah. got to let her make that choice. I think he brought up a really good point when we first met Celeste that, like, all she's going to see me as is a cop. Like, and I don't want that. I think he brought up a really good point there. But I think he sh- he should have come, the, like, the longer he went on without telling her, the, more the, was the hurt. bigger the problem got and so yeah, yeah. And, and for him to just assume that like you know if she hates the police system then she hates all the cops like little a little naive a little jump the gun but like I understand right I understand yeah like I said I understand where Kevin's coming from but I also mm-hmm. like I said I I do agree I think it jumped the gun a little bit that's like if you really want to be well first of all if you really wanted to be with her and I think he does still, but like you need to tell her the truth and he should have done it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I do, like I said, I think it was a little wrong of him to just assume that because he was a cop that like they couldn't have ever made it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that doesn't even need to say that like she's his forever or whatever, but like you're not enough, like you didn't even give her the chance to try and see if this is really anything like, mm-hmm. you know, by admitting that, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I I definitely, definitely, definitely like see both sides of it. And I see why Kevin lied is because like he wanted, he he didn't want to miss out on, he he wanted himself, he wanted to have a good thing. He wanted himself, like he wanted to have a good thing for himself. And he was kind of protecting himself in a way, which like. But ultimately uh, ended up ruining it too, which is kind Mm -hmm. of the, you know, the irony of it all is that like he thought he was protecting it, but really he ended up ruining it. Exactly, exactly. And and I, you know, I think Celeste did the right thing too. She got lied to for like months, which Yeah, you know. no, for sure. Um, do you think she comes back? Do we think do you oh. think we've seen more like do we think that we see more Celeste? I would love that. I really would, but I don't think she comes back. I don't know. Part of me wants to say yes, that like she comes back and they eventually can work it out, you know, because just because mm-hmm. This is the first time, I mean, granted, it's really the first time we've really seen Kevin in any kind of sort of love interest, but comparatively to the one other time, I mean, like he seems really into her and she really seemed into him. And I would love for Kevin just to finally have a love interest, like for real, for real. Um, 
but I don't know. I know Laurie's did a bunch of interviews and he was talking about the fact that like Amanda Payton who played Celeste, you know, like even just for her to come back and film this, like she had been doing stuff in England. And so she was there for literally like one day and they had to film it a week before this episode even like really started filming because that was just what worked for her schedule. Um, so clearly she's a busy woman. Um, so I don't know if it'll work out, but I would I would not complain if they were like, we're going to bring Celeste back. I would be like, great, give it to me. Please, yeah, like, let's give Kevin some happiness. Yeah, the writers give it and the writers take it away. Uh, yes. <sighs> yes. yes. Yeah, uh, it sucks. It sucks. Like, uh, the, the, the scene is what it is, right? Like, I saw some tweets last night where people were like, well, why is Kevin so upset? Like, he lied. They, you know... Kevin had his reasons for lying and now he's facing the consequences. Yeah. And Celeste has every right to feel how she feels. She got duped. Mm-hmm. So. I don't think anyone, I mean, I think they're both wrong and they're both right. And, right. you know, it's just kind of an unfortunate gray situation. And like, there's a bunch of what ifs and what could have been, but like, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Did you also see the portion of whatever interview Loris did where he talked about how like, he's like, yeah, he's like, in my mind, Kevin was like trying to get ordained to officiate the, the Upstead wedding. No, I didn't. Oh not my God. That. I laughed so hard. There was like a little blurb of it. He's like, he's like, you know, he's happy for them, but also he's like kind of aggravated because like he was probably trying to get ordained to like officiate the wedding. So like now when Burzik gets married, he's like, are you guys ready? Because like I got ready for Upstead and like obviously that happened. I mean, obviously he's going to officiate the Burzik wedding. Well, he's probably made of honor, not made of honor, best man, best man. Or made of honor. I mean, or, or best, made of or, honor yeah. or man of honor. Yeah. Or he's the one that walks for just that. Kevin can have a bunch of different roles in this wedding. He really could. He really he could also walk for just down the aisle. I could see that. Oh, I would die. It would be so sweet. I think any of those four roles, like if someone said, like if they said that he was one of those four roles, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. He just like walks burgers down the aisle and then like comes around and like officiates the wedding. It's like a baseball diamond. You start, <laughs> he started home. Yeah. Kevin's just like everything. And then he's probably the DJ too, because he's Kevin. Like, no, he definitely is. Yeah. I love yeah. that. <laughs> oh, now we're just setting ourselves up for disappointment by talking about the Burzik wedding. Uh, that's a conversation for a different day. Sometimes I hate it here. Only sometimes. Yeah. <sighs> Any other notes about PD? Um, no, for me, I think that's it. Um, we want to go through these listener thoughts real quick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot we have listener thoughts. I'm sorry. My brain is mush. We <laughs> we had so much fun with Jimmy that we're just like our brains are scrambled. Okay. So Haley G said, Can we get an Atwater centric season finale? Not the fake one in season seven, a real one with a good cliffhanger. Lori's would crush it. Please. I mean, LaRoyce could read me the phone book and I would be like, that is the best thing I've ever heard. But actually though, like, like he can do no wrong. I just, yeah. 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 Um, Myra said, can we talk about how we actually got a Michaela update? All the Berserk moments, the hard eyes from Adam, but also like, why can't Kevin have one good thing? I hope Celeste comes back. They have some serious chemistry. Yeah, why can't Kevin have one good thing? Why can't Berzik have one good thing? Why Jay can't Jay, like yeah? Jay and Haley got one good thing in the first half. Thank of this God, season. it's Thank time God. for it's time for Berzik water to get one good thing. Yeah, Each. we need it, not just collectively. We yeah, we need it. Yeah, yeah. 
Megan R said, it is a crime that we haven't gotten any more Kevin and Celeste action between 905 and now. They are adorable together. It was fun while it lasted. That it was. It was fun while it lasted. She also said, I'm glad we're getting some kind of continuity on the Burzik custody battle, even if it's a crumb. I will take that crumb. Yeah. Also, can we talk about how like everybody was like desperate for crumbs in this episode? Desperate. There was like, I think there was a scene where Ruzik like handed Burgess her coat and everybody was like, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Desperate. And there was an upstead moment too when like I think Jay like lifted the crime tape for Haley or something. And like stuff only shyhards would notice. Yeah. Um, Damar said, what a good episode of PD. LaRoyce is a gem to the show and it kills it every time. I love how Outwater's lies begin to catch up with him and I'm glad he decided to tell the truth no matter the consequences. I felt bad for Kevin as he just wanted a good relationship and I love Celeste and him together. I don't think this is for a forever breakup and I won't be surprised if we see Celeste again. I think she needs some time. I also love the Birchwater scenes. I miss their friendship so much and I'm glad the show remembered they were friends. <laughs> More Birchwater, please. Uh, yes. 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 I like how anytime something that's canon like happens in the show, we're just like, oh, the show remembered that that was canon. How nice of them. Like, now if only somebody could remember that Jay and Will are brothers. Fingers crossed we'll see it in the next, before May. I know, I know. Heather B said, we had so many Birdwater friendship moments. I didn't realize how much I missed them until I saw Kim ribbing Kevin for not meeting his new lady yet. My heart seriously broke this week for Atwater. LaRoyce knocked it out of the park, especially with the last scene. I love that they're showing maybe why we haven't seen Kev with a love interest in the past. His fear that partners will only see his badge and not him is an interesting storyline to pursue, given what he's already gone through professionally as a black cop, and now we are seeing how it affects him personally. They also bring back in that idea of trust that seems to be coming up a lot this season. You know what's interesting to me is, like, like um, as she said that, you know, uh, he's worried that people are only going to see the badge. Is that something, is that even something that, like, jay or adam has to worry about that like oh granted they're like locked down but i mean if they weren't locked down is that something that they would even have to worry about i wonder probably not it's interesting probably not it's interesting yeah and then Um, go ahead i was gonna say she also goes on to talk about some other stuff she said you know between the upsets the bursics atwater and celeste and all being the focus this season i want to know what they have in store for void I know Patty said that the theme of this season is about home and family in the interview he had with you guys. And I have to wonder after this episode, if we are leading to a big finale with Voight being left alone because of his past actions and whatever is going on with his new informant, Anna. I think we can all agree she's not to be tried. We see the Burzicks with their little family, the upsets getting married, and Atwater finally getting a love interest, even if at the moment it looks like they aren't doing well. We still see Voight alone. I think Voight likes it that way, though. Yeah. Um. And then she continued on. She said, the promo for next week showing Anna in trouble makes me think we're going to see Jay in action as Voight's own personal oversight committee, especially if she gets hurt and her of in pursuit. No, especially if she gets hurt and Voight wants to take revenge or he lets her go too far in pursuit of her own vendetta. Looking ahead on how this plays out long term. Personally, I think it would be a really powerful ending to the season if everything that is going on now and what happened in the front half of the season eventually leads to the team walking out on Voight because they have lost faith in him and leaving him standing alone in the bullpen. Since he knows how they game the system, legal actions don't really punish him, but his team, the family he has gathered, leaving would actually get to him. I live for angst and I'm totally okay with ending the season wondering if there is an intelligence unit to come back to next season. I'm just imagining that scene. That would be so good. Walking out of the bullpen and boy, just standing there. I'm like getting chills even just thinking about it. Ah, Me too. (laughs) 
It would be so good. It would be so good. And that then- is a great like imagine watches like, all so- five of them just walk out and is like what oh that would be amazing it's so good i love it i love it so good. yes any other notes on pd no i think that's it this is good this, this is real good yeah yeah so the, the here's the jimmy interview i don't really know what else to say we had so much fun with jimmy oh my god it is so long i feel like you guys should know that this is just how much fun we had like we told jimmy originally we were like oh it's like we only need 20 30 minutes like we never want to take up too much of anyone's time right we were like 20 30 minutes it's fine and it ended up being i think i don't have the runtime in front of me i haven't listened to it yet but like an hour and a half hour and a half hour and a half i don't even know it was listen to the whole thing we (laughs) had so much fun so it's much fun. really good i yeah just make sure you listen make sure you go check out his podcast everything but the kitchen sink is what it's called make sure you check that out it's really fun it's really fun um you, you guys just just enjoy this we had so much fun so yeah so we'll just jump right in then uh yeah super cool okay so tell us because you know you're, you're relatively new to chicago fire we we did our research beforehand there's not a ton about you out there how did you get involved in acting originally that's that's the way I like to keep it. You know, there's a website that says that says I'm verified 65 years old. That's, uh, that. that's the level of obscurity we like to keep that. Someone was like, you really need to tell them you're not 65. I'm like, honestly, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to correct them. They verified it. It's it's verified. I'm 65. Um, no, I, I, I uh, yeah, there's not a ton about me out there. Uh, and I like to keep it that way. No, um, uh, let me see. I started, uh, my mom was in acting. My mom uh, did a bunch of, did musical theater for a really long time, did stand-up comedy, and uh, she was tap, da- tap dancing, doing 42nd Street when she was pregnant with me. So it was truly, I was birthed right into uh, <laughs> to theater and uh, being a showman. And yeah, and then uh, much to her chagrin, I uh, came to her one day and was like, mom, I want to be an actor. And she uh, didn't like that. She was like, that's <laughs> terrible. What an awful idea. And I was like, well, hang on, hang on. Um, so yeah, so I did that. And then I went to school uh, at Carnegie Mellon um, for acting in musical theater and then just snowballed. Lucky enough to continue to work. I, I did a lot of theater early on out of school. Um, did uh, the Book of Mormon, did a lot of regional theater. Um, so that's why I like when people, you know, do the old like resume search, uh, I, I, I was only dabbling in TV for a while, uh, because you know, that old, <laughs> the, the theater, the theater was calling. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it was, uh, it was that it was a couple failed pilots. Um, and then, uh, lo and behold, I end up on Chicago fire. So, um, but you know, I've dabbled around, I've been lucky enough to work on lots of different projects and things like that, but this is definitely, uh, the biggest forward facing thing, um, I've been a part of, uh, and it's been wonderful. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, it's a bit of my story. Um, yeah, don't know. I could be leaving something out. Mom, don't hate me. Dad, don't hate me. <laughs> Um, I know you said obviously your mom was an actor and you kind of grew up around it, but like, did you ever consider doing anything else or was it always like acting or bust for you? 
So I'm an avid athlete. Uh, I played football and basketball my whole life. Um, and I, I, for the longest time, I was always like, I'm not going to be six foot five. Uh, one of my classmates literally ended up being a tight end for the Houston Texans. And when we would play basketball together, his name's CJ Fedorowicz. I was like, CJ is a professional athlete. Like, and he ended up being a professional athlete. He's 6'5", 265. And I would look at myself in the mirror and I'd say, I'm not him. <laughs> I'm not going to be an athlete. But I felt that I was good enough and understood the game enough that I could coach. So for the longest time, I was like, I want to be a history teacher who coaches football. Uh, I loved like the X's and O's or coaches basketball. I was cool with either. Um, so that was like the plan. And then the dumbest thing happened, which is so indicative of me as a person. So I'm on a tour and my mom, after she was in musical theater for a while, became a music teacher. And so, you know, I played trombone and piano and guitar growing up and I sang. So she was like, you should teach music, teach music. She doesn't sound like that, but um, uh, she was like, go into music will you at least look into music education? So I was like, well, maybe I could be the first ever like choir teacher who coaches the football team, I guess. Um, and uh, I, I uh, went to the University of Michigan to, uh, I went to the University of Michigan to like tour their music education program. You, you all are really gonna think less of me after this story. So forgive me in advance for being a really crazy 16 year old. So I go to tour University of Michigan. The University of Michigan is one of the best musical theater schools in the country. It's the School of Music, Theater and Dance. And the girl giving the tour is really pompous, okay? I'm pompous, so I know pompous when I see it. She was really pompous. And she was like, we're the best musical theater program. Oh, it's really, really hard to get into this musical theater program. And I did shows. I was like, I sing. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd gotten the lead and I'd been doing shows since I was eight. And my mom had always told me like acting's a hobby. So I was like, well, it's a hobby I'm good at, but you know, I'm not gonna do anything with it. And the girl goes, she, she finishes talking about musical theater before we go talk about the music education department. And she's like, it's really, really hard to get into the musical theater program. We only accept 5% of applicants. And something within me led me to raise my hand on this tour and say, I could get in here. <laughs> now, this girl must have thought like this, am I allowed to swear? Of yes. course. Yes. This asshole. This <laughs> asshole. Like my mom should have like backhanded me across the face. And I was like, I could get in here. And she was like, okay, squirt. <laughs> okay, buddy. <laughs> and then we like kept touring. And on the drive home, um, I was actually on the tour with my stepmom. Actually, I like told my stepmom, I was like, I'm going to audition for that school just to prove that I could get in. And she was like, that seems drastic. And I was like, I'm a drastic guy. And so I auditioned for the five best musical theater and acting schools that I could find and got into them. And then I was like, I got into three of them. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not terrible at this, mom. I'm not awful. I, by no means should I have gotten in. I was just like, I was so competitive. And I heard like Carnegie Mellon accepts like 2% of kids. I was like, I am so competitive. I must, I must crush them with my 32 bars. Um, and uh, I got in miraculously. Luckily, I won the lottery. And so at that point, I had told myself, you know, if I go, if I get in, I think that's a sign that I wouldn't be terrible at this. And then if I enjoy studying it, maybe that means I'll enjoy doing it. <laughs> and that snowball starts to roll. And, and uh, what a blessing and what a lucky, lucky ride to be on. That all started with me being an asshole. <laughs> uh, and, and luckily a lot of humbling along the way, a lot of humbling so that, uh, I don't talk or look like that anymore, but, uh, it's funny how 
um, my competitive nature led me into a really subjective artistic field. But in the end, I think I was always going to find my way here just because it's, you know, it's an itch. And if, you know, for those of us that want to scratch it, it's like, you have to scratch it. There was 10,000 words to answer that question. Oh, <laughs> all good. All good. So now that you've done both though, do you have a preference of one medium or the, or the other, or do you not care? Or well, um, there's nothing like when you're acting a song, um, there's nothing like acting a song. It's, it's a singularity in itself of, of what is happening, right? The, the music starts and, you know, when, whether it's Broadway, whether it's regional theater, whether it's a hundred people in a black box, acting a song hits a chord like within me that's really hard to articulate. Like I have goosebumps right now talking about it. So that is something that's very special to me, but, but I'm a film aficionado. I love TV, I love movies. So when I always was younger and even thought about acting, it was always to do movies and TV. So that's a cop-out answer, but I love, I love doing both um, because they both uh, stretch very different muscles. Um, and the idea of cutting one of them out of my life sounds terrifying because it's, you know, gives me so much joy. So both to cop out. <laughs> Um, I know you were just talking about obviously about theater and I know we're big musical theater lovers too. So I'm curious, do you have a favorite play or musical? Oh, and why? <laughs> oh, so not fair. That's so not fair. Um, All My Sons is my favorite play um, uh, because there was a production of it that changed my life. Um, like I, I think we're all touched by different educators in our life who like, change our life. I've been lucky that my mom was one of them, but also my high school uh, theater directors, Roger Zawacki and Paul Hanrahan, and they directed a production of All My Sons that just like struck me down at 15. And I was so like, I, I think it was the first time I understood the word melancholy and understood seeing that on stage. And I was like, I want to, I want to play Chris and all my sons. And then luckily enough, that became my college monologue. So I ended up using that to get into the schools I got into. Um, so it's a, it's a play that holds a special place in my heart. If you haven't seen all my sons, see it um, or read it. Uh, and um, musicals, uh, that's really hard. Uh, but I will say I've been in three productions of West Side Story. Um, I know, I know. It's just, it's, it's the best because it is perfect. It's like, it's on the list of five perfect musicals and having played Tony and having played Riff, um, that musical can touch people of all languages, of all walks of life. Uh, I mean, it's spectacular. And getting like to hear the opening chords of any number in that show, just like you feel honored and like you're a part of something special. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I heard on your podcast, you talked about the reboot. Was it good? I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it yet. No, you've seen it. I didn't even know. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You and all of America didn't see it. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's 10 million. It's first weekend. Spider-Man was like 250 million. Let's go. West side nine. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I thought it was great. I thought I really enjoyed it. We're, I know we're a pro Spider-Man podcast. We'll get there eventually. Um, <laughs> you did your I, homework I know, too. I know the Marvel podcast. You call yes. it a Chicago, but I know it's always dabbling over. I've listened. Always. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Westside is 
wonderful. It's and especially if you're very familiar with the whether the original movie or the stage movie, there's something really refreshing about it that you hope any remake would would be in that it's bringing something new to it, something really that feels almost completely original while also uh, honoring this wonderful text. Um, and Kushner's screenplay, I hope it gets an Oscar nomination. It's so brilliantly adapted and um, obviously doing half of it in Spanish. Um, it's, it's just so affecting. And I don't love all of Spielberg's choices. I, I would have done them differently, but uh, they're daring. And it's, it's so, it, it just, it's the reason you want to go to a movie theater too, besides yeah. to see superhero movies. And um, so anybody listening, go see West Side Story. It's so great. And, and Ariana DeBose is going to win everything in the awards circuit because she's, she's so good. She's incredible. She's I feel so bad. Good. I said this on my podcast, but I called her the bullet girl for a long time. because <laughs> She was like, I'm the bullet in Hamilton. I'm like, why are you hosting things? And like, it's cool how the bullet thing started, but like, why are we like putting you on level with, I don't know, Pete Davidson, which is like <laughs> everywhere. And, uh, and then I saw her in that movie and I was like, I need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> She's way more talented than me. She dances all over that film. Yeah. Well, oh, I mean, it's, oh, it's mind blowing. And, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm having an aneurysm on the, the video feed. Uh, yeah, she's so good. Did you did you see her in Schmigadoon? Did you watch that last year? Oh, uh, it's a little too on the nose for me. Okay. It's also just one of those things that you're constantly like, oh, I should be in that. So <laughs> okay, that's fair. I, I have a lot, of, but I had a lot of friends work on it, and um, I mean, the clips from it are incredible. Her number, she has the schoolroom scene, mm-hmm. or she's a teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Uh, but yes, well, what's a what a great concept for a show. Schmigadoon is a great idea. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. So, so okay, back to fire, even though we're going to nerd out on all sorts of stuff later on. But uh, what was your audition process like for fire? Oh, that's a great question. Um, very sudden and random. Um, I actually had just started working with a new agency um, in Chicago, uh, and, uh, I was, I, I, right when the pandemic happened, I was doing Greece at the Marriott Lincolnshire and we, we cut a couple of shows early and being from Chicago originally and, um, coming back here, I came back here to work on a, a, a pilot a while back. And then I did, uh, Greece. And, but other than that, I'd never really worked a ton in Chicago. So I went to my manager and I was like, you know, hey, I think we should reach out to some agents in Chicago and see if, if they'd be interested in working with me. And um, I got connected with Grossman Jack and, and they're amazing. And uh, we, uh, uh, my first audition <laughs> with, with Grossman Jack was for Chicago Fire, of course. And uh, they had never seen me before somehow, even though I've been in New York and I've been, you know, I've been in for the office out there, Jonathan Strauss's office, who does all of Dick Wolf stuff in New York. And, uh, but I'd never been in for any of the Chicago shows. And it was literally, um, I was working on an HBO show at the time, um, which hasn't come out yet. And I was exhausted. And uh, <laughs> I was, I, I was filming another self tape for something not that good and not important. Uh, but for some reason in my head, I was like, this is the important tape. And I put a ton of time into it. And I was about to do the self-tape for Chicago Fire. And something in my head told me, Jimmy, you're not ready to do this tape right now. Just wait till tomorrow morning. Um, 
And the next morning I was throwing a Christmas in July party at my house uh, <laughs> because we had to cancel our Christmas party because of COVID. So we, we moved it to July. And so I was like, it's okay. I'll do this Chicago fire tape, even though it's for a guy at the time, the role was much older than I am. Uh, I was like, I'll do the tape and they'll meet me and whatever. And I do the tape that morning. I feel really good about it. And I'm hosting my Christmas in July party that night. I sent it off. I'm dressed as like, I'm in like a full red and white onesie. <laughs> I'm just like done to the nines. I'm like throwing out deviled eggs. And I don't even know what. I'm just like, pants people, living my life. And I'm sitting next to one of my best friends. And my agent calls. And he's like, you're on, you're, they love you. You're their choice. Like, this is like 12 hours later. And I was like, for what? And they're like, Chicago Fire this morning. I was like, they watched it already? And he was like, yeah, what do you, like, can you get here like in two days? I was like, yeah, I, th I think so. I just got to get out of this onesie. <laughs> and uh, and I, I like hang up. I turned to my buddy, Brian, and uh, I was like, I think I just booked Chicago Fire. <laughs> as, as I'm like opening my secret Santa gift <laughs> in July. It was so random. Two days later, I'm, I'm flying out to Chicago getting COVID tested. And uh, it was a whirlwind, a whirlwind to say the least. And also just, you know, how life happens for things happen when you least expect. And I had just finished on the HBO show like a week earlier. So it was very kismet and very lucky that I was fully available and uh, could come on down to Chicago. That's so Perfect. funny. Um, I know you had mentioned obviously that you had done some, like you've been in for other Dick Wolf shows before and things like that, but like how familiar with the one Chicago shares were you before you joined or were you not familiar at all? So my buddy, Brian was on Chicago PD. Uh, so he was just like a guest star. So he had come in and, and he was like, you know, they usually cast, cast their guest stars out in New York. They're, they're big guest stars. So, you know, make sure you get on their radar. And um, so I, I, I had kind of, you know, watched a little bit for that. And I knew the tone of it. You, you kind of, you go in for so many different shows and part of your job is to just know, okay, what's the tone of this show besides just what am I telling on the page? Um, and I knew the tone and what I specifically knew was how, uh, how rabid the fan base was and how, and how uh, specifically Chicago Fire had, had struck a chord with America in general because of how wholesome it is, because of how much it was about family. I understood the tone of that and why there was this massive appetite because really I don't think there's anything specifically like one Chicago on TV. I think there's, you know, all three, I think there's shades of it and, and different shows that tap into certain aspects of it, whether it's 911, whether it's the station 19 Grey's Anatomy stuff, different aspects of it. But, you know, specifically when Chicago fire came on the scene and, you know, what it has involved into with, uh, kind of just the feeling of the show. I understood had, I, I hadn't watched a ton of it. Uh, so I had to binge a lot of it. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that was what I was familiar with. And, and being from the Midwest, you watch it and you're like, this should absolutely be Chicago fire. It, it understands where it comes from. And that's what I mean. Nice. Yeah. And you referred on your podcast, you referred to one Chicago as a mini MCU, which you know made us just super, super happy. So what do you think of the concept of a universe on this big of a scale, the shared universe on TV? It's baller. It's what we want. Give the people what they want. We want four epilogues. We want a prequel. You know, we can run away from it. We can, that's what we want. We want everything to be connected. And it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. And I think that 
we're smarter consumers now than we've ever been <laughs> as a whole. And so while there's really something special of watching something that's contained and something that is just one singular story, 90 minutes, two hours, or one miniseries, but there's something incredible about, you know, I, I really think, I think Game of Thrones is an interesting template for this because when you read the Game of Thrones book, books, all of them, George R. R. Martin's never afraid to randomly just stick you in a stable with a stable boy for one chapter and just a stable boy on the outskirts of some town and, and tell his story. He's, and one thing in the chapter will allude to the whole world, but it, it doesn't matter because in this moment it's about the stable boy. And we love that. It's like you, the, the world's big. And, and so having, having shows that spin off of each other and connect with each other and all are beautifully woven like this imperfect mosaic. What's better than that? And that's why, and I, and I think that's why you see so many other shows go to that scent and, and caught that scent and being like 911, how many can we do? NCIS will hit every city, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and the MCU is the, is the pinnacle of that just because of how well uh, the, the producer Kevin has done on that. Yeah. Um, I know you said you kind of got thrown into fire, like your audition was fast. You got the thing very roll. So I'm curious, did you get any kind of paramedic training when you joined the show? Or like, was it just for the episode last week when you finally got some? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. Um, so uh, hold one second. <laughs> Had to grab my keys for the show and tell. Um, okay, uh, so you... Uh, First of all, it, I don't think it was fully, and I think this is, you know, I'd be interested as you both watch the show. Uh, I don't know how much they originally thought that I would be a paramedic in the field. Um, you know, I, I think like a lot of characters on the show, they throw the character out there, see how people respond, see what they like on the dailies, see how the writers like working with that character. Eventually I understood that I would probably be needed as a paramedic, but, but my training was pretty minuscule except for the fact that I've been CPR certified since I was like 11 years old. I, I've had to be CPR certified for so many different things that I have done because I worked with kids when I was younger. So when you're working with, when I was 13, 14, I was working with five and six-year-olds. And in order to be an aide in rooms like that, you have to be CPR and AED certified plus different things like that. Then when I became a personal trainer, on top of that, I was getting NASM certified plus mini certifications. And now I'm such a CPR first aid certification fan. I highly recommend getting one of these. Everybody gets CPR certified. It's a black square rectangle for those of you listening or square. Um, so uh, square rectangle, that's not a thing. It's a square, <laughs> it's a square geometry. Um, but essentially uh, this, the last time that I got CPR certified, uh, the guy did such a good job. It's like my 12th one, but he showed that he had these little square. Um, this is a compactable face shield that rolls out for if you're giving CPR. And he recommends that everybody at the end of the course buys one and he pulls out his and he has like five, five on his keys and four of them are used and one of them's unused. And basically the reason that you get it on your keychains, beside the fact if someone went down, you'd be able to give them the full CPR, but also it reminds you that you're responsible. Nobody else is going to take responsibility if someone needs the Heimlich, if someone needs first aid or an AED. That's the number one thing we know. Everybody removes themselves. And because this is the reminder that you are the person trained to step in. So I love that analogy. So I've always been 
ever since that and in general been like, I will be the person to step in. So when they were like paramedic field chief, I was like, this is my time. This is my calling. Here is my square rectangle. So there's the long story version. Nice. So funny. Nice. So we haven't really learned a ton about Hawkins yet, but there are some, like, are there, would you say that there's any qualities or characteristics that you have in common with him? Um, yes and no. Uh, I really connect with the fact that Hawkins uh, demands excellence. He's a person who expects it. And um, I, I really relate to that. And I think that that's a, such an honest pursuit and saying not perfection, but you know, we're going to be excellent at our job. And I think he prides himself at being excellent. And he asks that of his paramedics. I also am such a team player person. I refer to everyone as team, teammate, like uh, that, that's how I am in a room. Um, and I think he sees uh, his paramedics that way. Um, I think it's interesting that in the first scene with him, we we definitely saw him have to be uh, a stickler for the rules. That is not me. <laughs> I think rules are meant to be broken and definitely, uh, or at least uh, bent. Um but uh, that level, I don't connect with him on, but that's what's fun about stepping into him is, and he's so buttoned up. I'm not, I'm, I'm out of a trash can. Like <laughs> that's, that's my, which is what Hanako is constantly like, you are so different from Hawkins. And they're like, all right, action. And I'm just in, <laughs> not like, at all how I'm operating normally. Um, so he's very buttoned up, uh, very under control and muted, I think. And part of that's leadership. I think good leaders understand that, you have to put forward a different foot uh, because you are in charge and the buck stops with you. But I do relate to him on wanting excellence, wanting to help people. That's such an honest pursuit and, and how he supports his team. Um, so we got a ton, a ton, a ton of questions for you from our listeners so and we're going to kind of like sprinkle instead- them out. Instead, they heard about CPR and me yelling at <laughs> University of Michigan tours. And they're like, this guy sucks. <laughs> no. He talks uh, so much. Sorry. But uh, one of our listeners, Heather, wanted to know, will we learn more about Hawkins in the next couple episodes? Like she said, we learned about his dad, but has have you been told or have you thought about or like made up a backstory for him? Ah, uh, these are the tricky questions. <laughs> These are fun for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ones where I'm like, hold on, I'm getting a call. What's that? I've been fired. <laughs> I've been fired because I Tom Hollanded all over the script. I just all the secrets. Um, no, I, I don't want to go too much into that. Um, who knows? I could be off the show by that. Maybe I'm already off the show. You could, this could be the end of everything. Who knows? Um, no, I, I think that I will say this. I think there is a lot more to explore. If, if we want to explore or if we have explored there, I think that um, they've done such a good job of uh, shading in certain colors while not at all filling in lines. Um, so there's definitely a lot there. And, uh, and I think this show and the writers and Derek and everybody really understand how to dive into certain elements at the time and the place. So uh, if they want to dive into that, I think there's a lot to explore there. And especially with a character that we've already seen um, a a real wide range on the spectrum, you know, so where you want to go with it, they, they could go anywhere, which is awesome. Nice. And the majority of Hawkins scenes are with Sylvie and Violet. So tell us what's it like working with Kara and Hanako? Aren't they the best? 
Aren't they the absolute best? Yeah. I can't, I can't, you know, I've talked, oh, I'm glowing. Uh, I, from day one, I could cry. Um, from day one on set, first of all, that like, I think part of the reason why Chicago Fire really like jumps through the screen to the fans is that like that feeling of family and that like warmth really is evident on set every single day. Um, like from the moment I showed up, I've showed up on lots of shows before I've showed up on lots of projects and that's just not a guaranteed thing. Like, like any workplace and from moment one, whether it was Eamon taking me under his wing and being like anything you need, like I got you like, so chief Bowden of him, you're like, <laughs> yeah. what? like you can't actually be that awesome. And, uh, and, and that, that trickles all the way through. And especially with, with Kara and Hanako, they are um, so wonderful. And like, I find myself uh, just loving our chats all the time. I mean, I could talk all day and they put up with me talking all day. So, <laughs> um, but they're so wonderful. And whether we're huddling for warmth outside at an incident or, you know, talking about dumb things, uh, we, we, we have a good time. We have a really good time. And, uh, and we're all nerds and we're all into really weird things. And so it, it's great because we never run out of things to talk about ever. Uh, and, uh, so, but they're, they're really wonderful. And, um, the paramount, the paramedic team of the three of us, uh, I love, love, love getting to go to work and, uh, and work with them. So I feel very blessed and lucky. Yeah. Do you have a favorite scene that you've shot with either one of them? Oh, oh that's, that's a good question. Um, you think like, by the way, you think like, oh, I, I would like, that would be something I would have or have thought about. And I honestly <laughs> have not thought about that. <laughs> okay. Um, but it, clearly I, I love working with them so much. Um, I would say uh, Kara, watching Kara. So in episode four, when I do the ride along, she like, um, the guy pulls a knife on her and in the way it's so interesting because the internet and Twitter will, will be like, Sylvie knows what she's doing. Sylvie's like a badass paramedic. But the other thing is Kara is a badass. <laughs> like Kara knows exactly what she's doing. And she's so in control of every single second that you're at some paramedic scene. She knows, she knows what to do. She knows what props she's going to use. She knows how we want to use the stretcher or the gurney. She, she's so in control and it's, it's awesome because it just, it just oozes them through Sylvie and watching her do that was incredible. And, uh, I was like, I want to get that good at that. Um, so that was really special, um, doing that scene. And it was a really hot day and it was not, it was not a fun shoot, but she was just such a class act and a professional. And, um, so that scene was super fun. Plus, uh, I would say that whole episode was really fun because Hanako, Kara, and I got to kind of let loose and hang out a bit more rather than the first episode, which was with like me be stern, 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 and like, you know, get to know each other. Um, yeah. But that one was super fun. And Hanako, uh, <laughs> there's a couple that, uh, wow, I almost just did it. Uh, there's there's a the scene in the hospital was really really fun to shoot and uh while she was doing it and while the camera was on her i was like this is fucking hysterical and uh the internet agreed because She's so funny because violet kills it violet is hysterical and obviously that's hanako so uh yeah that one 
that episode had us laughing quite hard. Yeah. That was great. Neat episode, right? Yeah. Good one. Uh, and Kara, by the way, badass ambulance driver. She's going like 50 miles an hour, like camera here, camera here, camera here. She's hitting all her marks, swinging us around. I mean, it's badass, badass, <laughs> badass. Love it. Um, speaking of Hanukkah, certain friend of yours uh, tweeted us right before we started recording. I don't know if you saw it. I think you might have. Um, she wants to know <laughs> what did it feel like when you hit your head on the Amba? We're going to need the full story on this one. <laughs> you think you have friends with friends like these who needs enemies? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I, <laughs> I'm bearing too much. I'm bearing my soul. Um, so I am a glutton for punishment. I love working out. I love, um, I'm a long distance runner. I do these Spartan races. If anybody is interested, run Spartans. They're incredible. I competed them. Um, and uh, I was in a tough training regiment and I, I train at this place called Tone House in New York. Again, if you're ever in New York, Tone House, it's the place to work out. It's the hardest workout in New York. And uh, I did like three straight days, like an idiot and that workout is super, super intense. And I could not feel my legs on set. The day that we were shooting the scene where I come out, uh, it was um, episode 10. And I'm like, you're pretty fun to work with. Um, that, that whole scene. Uh, I couldn't feel my legs. <laughs> and I was playing cool. And Hanukkah was just making fun of me. She's like, you're going to trip. You're going to fall. You're not going to get this. It's going to be terrible. And I'm like, shut up, shut up. I'm trying to play cool. Shut up. And uh, we're in the back of the ambulance. And I'm so nervous about my legs being able to just one foot in front of the other, like down the ambo, just to the side without like anybody knowing that I can't feel my legs. And I just smack my head. on. <laughs> now it's like cushioned. It's cushioned. So I like hit it. And then I like keep going with the scenes, like trying to think about my legs going. And I'm like trying to be a professional and keep going. And Hanukkah was laughing so hard at me, just, making, just in front of the whole crew, just putting me on blast. I'm like, you know what? Ugh, it was awful. It was awful. It was embarrassing. And then there was another take where I literally tripped. <laughs> I was like, walk, walk, like fall. <laughs> that, was a, that was a struggle. But uh, I made it. And yes, I hit my head on the Ambo and... Uh, She's super cool for keeping that between us. <laughs> so close that, you know, secrets. Oh, no, no. Let's tell everyone. And right before the pod, she just had to do that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> get her back. I'm going to get her back. Hanukkah's a friend of the pod, too. So, yeah, yeah. That, that, we were happy to see that. We were like, oh, this is good. <laughs> Hanukkah's a friend of everyone. See, Hanukkah says that I could make friends with a rock, which is very kind. But Hanukkah could also make friends with a rock. So she's the pot calling the kettle black. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> also, this is Diet Coke in this mug, by the way. I just didn't want to put my bottle out. So I'm, I'm feeling like I'm on some show where I'm pretending to drink water or coffee, but it's just Diet Coke. I was going to say, if that's coffee at this hour, you are a brave man. <laughs> oh, I will. I, I have no, I will caffeine all day. Um, I have a coffee what? brand too. Brenna doesn't drink coffee. I still can't believe that you don't drink coffee, Brenna. No Brenna, way. you don't drink coffee? No. Isn't that the gross. saddest thing ever? Well, first of all, I've talked enough. Why don't you drink coffee? I mean, I didn't grow up in a household that drinks coffee. Like, we don't even own a coffee maker. Like, That's we true. just, we don't, yeah. And I and I also just think it's gross. What, what, more of a tea family? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, what's your, what, do you have, like, the the little, like, 
did, like you open the drawer and there's like the seven boxes of the options where you're like chamomile <laughs> earl gray um okay, not as much i mean i have my favorites but um yeah we're definitely more iced tea drinkers in this house but okay. i like my hot tea i drink hot tea like a sweet tea, like a sweet iced tea, or like yeah. Honestly? I mean, I'm from the south, so oh, yes, I'm so sorry. Me. Wow, I'm forgetting. <laughs> like, please don't judge me for that question. I would just it's don't. fine. It's that fine. means that means it's tea or water. There is no, it's just if it's tea, it's sweet tea. Yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um. Okay, so going back to Violet because obviously we can't have you on this podcast and not talk about this little flirtation thing going on between Hawkins and Violet and there's so no many- flirtation. what are you talking about I mean None. no chemistry nothing, nothing. yeah nothing nothing, nothing whatsoever nothing. um so so many of our listeners wanted to know like what you personally think about like this potential relationship like do you want to see them get together eventually <laughs> see this is that's a that, this is a good question this is called leading a witness your honor that's what this because you know if i say yes <laughs> no no i'm kidding um okay uh i would say this i absolutely love working with hanako and the violet uh the violet hawkins dynamic is wonderful similar to filling in the lines of the character of hawkins um there's just so much there, there's there's a lot of legs to, to Violet and Hawkins and where the writers want to go with that. And um, so I, I do personally think it's a very interesting storyline. And I think that's clear with how much the internet has loved, has liked it or loved it, at least, you know, in what I'm seeing, you know, and enjoying being like, will they, won't they? Is that okay? Is that not okay? Do we like him? Do we not like him? What about Gallo? I think that's, good TV. Um, so, you know, for that, and then selfishly, uh, I love working with Hanako and, uh, you know, we <laughs> give each other a hard time constantly and make each other laugh a lot. So, uh, I'm like, please, if, if this is who I'm working with easiest days ever, easiest days ever. And she tolerates me and, and pretends to laugh at my jokes. So <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> do you know if the plan was originally for them to be kind of interest towards each other or did it just kind of evolve into that do you know gina 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 now we get into the fun stuff <laughs> uh, so and when i came on the internet also it kind of sniffed out they were like is this guy gonna break up bretzy is this guy gonna be a part of uh w- what's what's his role in it um, you know, first of all, is he just going to be the villain, the white shirt villain for the season or in some capacity? Um, or, you know, is he, is he going to, uh, play a part in, um, in, in, in that dynamic at all? And I think that part of the smart thing about when you have 20, 22 episodes in a season is you don't have to strong arm anything as a writer, you can see what, what happens. And I think that, you know, the dynamic with Kara and I, it could have gone a lot of ways, but I, I actually think it, it went very much of colleagues and, um, and, and then naturally, uh, I, I always was like, I, I personally, I don't, gosh, I've never told anybody this or Hanako this, if Hanako, if you're listening, um, but I was like, I think, I think there'd be something between Hawkins and Violet, like the first day of us, like, 
I was like, that they should explore that. They should explore that. And I don't know why. I just was like, you know, I, I hadn't read past episode four at the time, but I was like, I don't know. It just it just seemed worth exploring. And I also selfishly was like, can I hang out with her too? I want to hang out with her and Kara. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but then when I read episode eight, I was like, let's go. <laughs> so you shipped it before anybody else shipped it. I was the original shipper. <laughs> you I were. I was, it was my ship. And uh, yeah, no, I, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, also, because also like no one wants to come in and be like the home wrecker. Like Matt Casey and Jesse in general, like who would ever, I don't want to go like, I don't want to have to have scenes where I'm like, that guy's like literally America, just America's sweetheart. He's Captain America on network TV. Why would I want to be the guy? Why would I want to be the guy who has to come in? And like, you've waited so long. So I teach, I, I taught at Soul Cycle. I literally had one of my coworkers go, well, I was like, I'm going to work on Chicago Fire. And she goes, if you fuck up Bretzy, I'll kill you. Like, he's a close friend. She was like, I'll kill you. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, please, please, God, don't, uh, don't do that to me. Uh, so like, I was so um, <laughs> literally nervous thinking about it. I was like, please don't make me have to like be hated by everyone. Um, so when they went away from that, but I knew, I mean, uh, I had an inkling that you don't bring me on a show because you're just like, not gonna at least think of me as maybe a love interest for somebody. So, yeah. Um, you kind of alluded to it a little bit ago, but like, obviously there's been a lot of love from the fans or for this, what is, I guess the now officially Hakami is what Twitter is calling it, this Hakami ship. Um, and obviously if you were a listener, just want to know like, what has it been like for you to see all the fan reactions go from like zero to a hundred with Hawkins and the ship and everything? You, you have high hopes because you film something and you're like, I think this is good. I think this is interesting. And I think people will like it. But then what's really satisfying, and we can talk about the inverse of that too, when you film something that you hope connects with an audience and it doesn't, which as an actor is devastating. You know, luckily in TV film, like we get to let it go and just put it into the ether and stage you're like, okay, and I'm out here for two more hours with this audience. But um, you put it, you, you film a couple episodes ahead and you're like, I think they're gonna love this. And I think they're gonna eat this up. and I get to watch, I get to watch, I get to watch Hanukkah work and I get to be like, I think this is really good. I hope what I'm doing is matching it. And I think it's interesting. And so then when something airs and uh, the internet enjoys it, it's, it's very satisfying and very uh, it's just a testament to the writers and to the crew and to the directors who see the vision for it. And then, and the editors and everybody who puts it together and, and then, you know, and, and we want, we want you all to enjoy it. So that's, that's been really awesome. Cool. Cool. And so last night's episode, we saw Hawkins tell Violet that they should probably stay away from each other for a little while. Uh, one of our listeners asked, how successful do you think Hawkins will be at this? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's clear he, he, like anybody who would be in a position like that, who cares about their job and cares about their work and wants, you know, I mean, even in one episode, he gives her an award for something that she deserves and she's worried that she doesn't deserve it because of feelings. And that sucks because 
she does deserve it. So even within that, you know what the right thing to do is, which is put up a boundary. And, um, and so, but the dichotomy of the fact that you're all watching it, it's, it's clear that it's not, um, that there's more that he wants to say and can't. Um, and that's hard. So I don't know if he'll be successful at it. Um, but I, you know, you, you feel the pain of this is something I have to do. And, and I was proud. I was proud of the writers when they wrote that scene. I was proud that because I was like exactly what Hawkins would do. He would be like, all right, cool. We got to put up this boundary. And, and Violet too. She understands like, yes, please. Thank you. Awesome. And then you sit in that and you're like, no, yes, no. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I know you don't really want to give too much away, but I have to ask, I'm curious, what can you tease about Hawkins going forward? I mean, we saw the promo photos for next week that dropped about the gala and Hawkins and Violet and that whole thing. So like, what can you tease? Yeah. Here I was like, wow, it's going to be such a surprise. Promo pics. <laughs> bam. Just uh-huh. like, <laughs> the internet's like zooming in on my knuckles. <laughs> oh, you saw that. <laughs> I'm like, damn. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm uh <laughs> at least I'm still 64. Uh <laughs> they uh <laughs> yeah, you know, the gala, um, my tux is dope. <laughs> you both look pretty great in the promo yeah. photo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I mean, I w- I was very much like a gala. And I get to wear a tux. It's going to be James Bond. Sign me up. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's a gala. We're there. That's uh, that's all I'll tease about it. Um, yeah, clearly because that's what the promo said. I, I did specifically. I was like, I will not spoil anything about the gala. And then this morning, I was like, never mind. It's out. <laughs> <laughs> so one of our listeners, Angie, she asked, "What do you love most about Chicago?" Okay. Um, what do I love most about Chicago? It's a great question. Um, so, uh, two things. Number one, uh, Chicago understands food better than anywhere. And there are better restaurants, better chefs in New York, LA, in residency in Vegas. There are, there are Michelin star ratings and all of those things. And you can go have the best food and all these things. And I went to school in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, very underrated food town, amazing food in Pittsburgh, but Chicago trumps all of them because we understand portion size. We understand putting cheese on everything. And we understand how big a cup of ranch that comes with something should be Plus, it's better than everything. It's better than everything. And I don't know what to tell people when they say, Hey, I'm going to Chicago for a week. I don't know like what to tell them to do besides the fact that I love our sports venues. So I'm like, go see sporting events, but I'm also like, just eat every day eat lots, eat so much, go to every place, eat everything. And it'll be a lot of cheese and a lot of things fried. And you will never be sad. You will never be sad. It's the best food town. And that's like, that's in the burbs. That's downtown. It's just, we understand food and we understand feeding people because we used to feed farmers. Now, none of us are farmers anymore, but but we still eat like farmers. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's a real thing. Um, So that's one thing about Chicago. The other thing I love about Chicago is that there is, I mean, I think there's the negative side of this coin as well, but I'll focus on the positive, which is that I do think that there is a a kindness and a, um, 
just a warmth to people from the Midwest. And I think Chicago is kind of the shining star, the Mecca of the Midwest in that way. Um, that it, it's just, it's a really kind place with a lot of uh, kind people who um, want to help each other out and want to do their best and, you know, want to work hard and love their family and love life. And, um, and, and Chicago exemplifies that. Uh, and I think that other cities like like I'm in New York. I'm, I'm, I live in New York now. So clearly I love New York and, you know, I love lots of other cities for different things, but as far as big cities go um, and the people there, just this Chicago is just such a place of warmth and kind souls. I'm curious though, as someone who's on the show, like on a recurring basis, but obviously like you just said, you're based in New York, like how much time do you actually spend in Chicago? Like, are you flying back and forth all the time or have you been in Chicago for the most part since you started filming? Yeah. So my schedule is wild. Um, I also am a yes man who has problems saying no to things. Um, so my schedule is insane. Um, yeah, I fly back to New York every week. Um, for a couple of days a week. I teach out in New York. I also have clients in New York for personal training that I still, I, I still teach even though I don't have time. Uh, so I, I teach out there. I also teach here. I, I teach at Barry's come through, come through Barry's fam um, Barry's and soul cycle. I, I was teaching at soul cycle as well. Um, and, uh, so I do that and then I'm back and forth. Uh, I also have like other projects going on in New York that I'll go back for. Um, so I'm back and forth every week for the most part. It's, it's a wild travel schedule. Um, and uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of hotels, a lot of, lot of hotel when I'm in Chicago, but I, I have a wonderful relationship with our hotel front desk and uh, they take <laughs> care of me and I've been here forever. They're just like, uh, the dude's back again. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm back and forth every week. Nice. That's crazy. So uh, our listener, Kristen, I love that she asked this question. She said, you know, aside from acting, we know you're a fitness instructor. And she said, I know how important staying healthy has been over the last couple of years and the setbacks that the pandemic has caused in your fitness journey. How are you dealing with the mental and physical health aspect now while you're balancing the stress of a professional and personal life? And she said, I know a lot of us are still struggling to find the balance. Great questions. Great questions, world. Um, yeah, that's, um, that's so huge. Uh, I think, you know, the first thing when it comes to mental, 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 <laughs> mental and square rectangles, you can only get it here, folks. You sure it's uh, just Diet Coke in that cup? <laughs> yeah. No, 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 there's no Jameson here. I'm, I'm sober. Uh, um, you know, I think that when it comes to mental and physical well-being, uh, being patient and being gentle with yourself are so, so key to any journey. And because it's not it's not going to be it's not going to be easy. And, and taking care of your physical well-being is just like taking care of your mental well-being in that it's like therapy. There's no end date. There's no arrival point. It's just a journey. And it's just, you know, going with whatever seas you're on and just paddling. Um, and uh as far as, you know, physical well-being though, I'm, I'm a firm believer that physical well-being helps mental well-being. And when I move and when I'm active, I think better. I'm, I'm a better version of myself. I, I get more adrenaline, more dopamine. My, my, like I'm, I think clear when I need to think I go on a run, uh, when I am struggling with something and I want to problem solve, I go take a class or I weight lift, um, because, we were born to be animals who move and, and, you know, 
just so happens that our brains evolved to the point where now we can communicate so well that sometimes we forget about that. And so for anybody struggling mentally in the pandemic, I would argue to, I would tell them be active. Don't be active because you're trying to lose weight. Don't be active because you're, you know, whatever. I mean, if you want to run a marathon or you want to do something, that's amazing. Uh, but be active because it's going to help your mental well-being. And don't, don't worry about what any idea of physical activity based on Instagram or, you know, TikTok or anything like that looks like. Just move and move in a way that brings you joy. And if in that movement, you want to do something that changes your body because you want to get stronger, you want to get faster, great, you know, um, but, but first and foremost, do it because it's going to help your mental well-being. And, um, and if you're struggling with your physical journey uh, because of where you're at mentally, don't stress about that. Like, take care of your head first. We all like, you know, this, this pandemic won't end. And right now it just won't, it won't go away as much as we want it to. And so being gentle with yourself and kind and waking up every day and saying, what do I need to do for maintenance? Maybe it's physical, maybe it's mental, but like, what, what do I need to take care of for me today is, is so vital to getting to the next day. That's yeah. what I um, I know we've referenced it a couple times in our conversation, but you also have your own podcast called Everything But the Kitchen Sink. I know you talk about sports, movies, pretty much whatever, everything else. I'm curious, like, what made you want to start your own podcast? So you both know because you've been around. You've been around longer than I. How many episodes have you done now? Uh, well, we've been around for four years. Four yeah, years. four and a half years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 2017. Started yep. So now there's... <sighs> such an oversaturated, everybody during the pandemic was like, let's start a podcast. I was like, bitch, we've been around. We've been around. We're not playing. We're here for keeps. No, um, it started off because uh, when I got off of Book of Mormon on Broadway, uh, I uh, highly recommend Book of Mormon, by the way, if you haven't seen it so yet. Good. Love, it. Musical, Love it. Love it. Yes. Um, I really... Uh, was at a loss for direction in my life. Um, and one thing I, I, I started loving podcasts in 2014 and I would listen to a podcast and I just, I thought that I have something to add to this medium. I, I, I don't, I was just like, I, I feel like I could host a podcast. And then for years I was marinating on what, what would that look like? What would I want to talk about? And I've always been, um, I've always been a person who's been more of a jack of all trades, a person who walks into the cafeteria and could sit at every lunch table and talk about anything and sit, you know, I was on the football team, but I was in madrigals and I was in choir and I marched in the marching band at halftime. Like I could go. And so I was like, really a podcast that I would have would be just talking about anything I wanted to talk about. And uh, so I just thought, okay, I'm going to start a podcast. And then you have to make a decision when you start a podcast um, of, Am I doing this for me or am I doing this for them? And I made the decision that no matter what, I was going to do the podcast for me because it brought me joy, similar to that like physical, mental well-being and um, making it and putting it out brought me joy. And so I was like, great, I'm going to keep doing this. And in reality, I mean, I think I have amazing friends. I'm blessed with friends who are far cooler and far better than me and amazing people. And just putting a microphone between us and letting us talk about whatever we want to talk about is the best, the best experience. And, and um, it's, it was such a great decision. I'm a hundred episodes in or something. It's hard because I I'll be gone or, you know, different jobs and whatnot, but 
Um, I kind of see it also as an audio scrapbook of my life um, as well, which I'm so glad that like, I'll be able to, it someday, they might not want to listen, but be able to point my kids and be like, you know, you know, your uncle, blah, 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 who passed, you know, we have him on a podcast talking about this 20 years ago. If you want to listen to it, we talked about the Shawshank Redemption. You know, I know you like that movie. Why don't you go listen to it? That's, that's wonderful to me. So that's why I got in the game and um, it's been such a fulfilling process. It's stressful because I don't, I produce it myself and it's, uh, but, but it's been, it's been wonderful. That's awesome. That's awesome. Is there a topic you haven't covered yet on the podcast that you'd love to? Oh, so many things. I mean, it's everything but the kitchen sink. So if I said no to that answer, I got to change the title. Uh, yeah, so many things. Um, I mean, I really haven't talked about Chicago Fire at all on the podcast. So at some point we'll talk about that. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, lots of things. I, I truly consider like learning about things one of life's greatest joys and learning and then getting to talk to someone who's passionate about that thing. Like, what's better than that? So, you know, sign me up. I mean, my buddy Thomas, who's, you know, really, really smart engineer for a startup. Like he came on the podcast and talked about crypto years ago and listening to him talk about crypto was, I mean, my listeners were like, what the fuck? (laughs) But it was amazing because he was just so in it and so ready to give up, to give whatever information he could. And I then got to edit it. So I got to listen to him and listening to someone who's passionate and even has a base level of knowledge about something, try to convey that, especially someone who can communicate really well, like the best, the best. So I'm curious, because you said you like learning things and everything. What are some podcasts that you're listening to right now? Are there any like really interesting ones that you want to pass along recommendations for? Yes. Oh my gosh. So many. Um, yeah, lots of them. I'll, I'll start with, uh, if you, if you like movies and TV, like, you need to listen to all the ringers podcasts. They just have the best people. They have the best, so uh, good. they under, they just understand it, whether it's binge mode, if you like any of the stuff and going back and listening to Jason Concepcion and Mallory, they just, they're they'll so talk good. about anything. They do a great job. Um, if you're into college basketball, I know this is really niche, but if you're into college basketball, my favorite lesser known podcast is Titus and Tate for Fox sports. They're incredible. Nope. And they, yeah, yeah. They're, they're basketball. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I like to, to shout them out because I feel like nobody knows about them for them. Like they're, they're very niche. And, and even if you don't like college basketball, I think they're incredibly funny. And, and two guys who I hope have more opportunities. Um, I love listening to them. Um, I like, I, I worship at the feet of Bill Simmons. So I listen to his stuff, Mark Marin. like, uh, they're wonderful. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many. Also, I mean, the, the other thing is if you're in, if you like any true crime stuff on like Netflix, like you have to, there's so many good podcasts, so many good, um, which I, I always have, I, I'll avoid any tangents of that. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely co-sign the ringer. That's good. Yeah, stuff. of course. Of good course. Stuff. Good yeah. Stuff. Um, and kind of obviously aside from the one Chicago shows, I think you kind of get we're big television fans too in general. And obviously we love to talk about it whenever. So I'm curious, like, what are you watching right now in your Um, little bit of spare time that you have? (laughs) Well, you know, I, I, like when I was in high school, I told myself that I needed to watch more TV and movies so that I could feel like I hated, I hated being on the outside, not having seen something. So every night before bed, I would watch an hour of something. I started this, this like habit, which was very bad because I did 
I would literally only do homework at school in order to have that hour at the, at like, you know, the end of my night. So then I got used to just falling to sleep, falling asleep to something every night, which um, if you, you know, want to watch more, it's a great way to watch more TV. Uh, so I do, that's when I primarily watch. Um, I'm not watching this right now, but since the new season's coming out, I have to talk about Peaky Blinders. If you haven't seen Peaky Blinders, it's the best show on television. It's a, I, I just don't, I just don't think there's anything better than it. Uh, so watch it and not enough people watch it. So uh, it's incredible. Uh, watch Peaky Blinders. Um, I just finished Veep finally, which is just like the best, the best comedy. I mean, it's, it's ridiculously good. What else am I watching right now? Um, I and all of America watched Squid Game, but I came like three months late and came super jaded. And then 10 minutes in, I'm like, damn it, this is incredible. <laughs> And I watched it. I, I watched it. it in 24 hours. I just yeah. I literally got through it and it just went straight into my veins. And um, there's so many, I mean, like we, we knew it from, from the host, like, you know, you study the host in film class, like the Korean film scene and TV scene, they just make some incredible stuff, incredible stuff. I mean, Train to Busan is like my favorite zombie movie. I mean, so it's of course, Squid Game is incredible too. Um, what else am I, what else am I watching right now? Um, I'm finally finishing uh, The Sopranos after truly, I've watched it almost in time with the original, like episode by episode. So I'm, I'm on the final season of that, which has been such a joy. Um, I'm watching Book of Boba Fett. That's, that's about, that's, that's it at the moment. Nice, nice. Yeah, uh, so I'm trying to think of other things. I mean, Book of Boba Fett, Disney Plus, which leads us into Marvel. We've got to talk about Marvel. Gina's like, we're getting there. We always talk about Marvel with like, we had Joe Minoso on the podcast. We were like, so Shang-Chi, let's talk about that. <laughs> so I'm still, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm talking as fast as possible to get my answers in. And yet it's taking, I'm taking forever. I'm so sorry. Listeners, no, I'm sorry. You're still fine. here. You're fine. I can talk for days. So, you know, literally <laughs> stop me. Um, yes. Marvel. Let's go. Okay, so on our, was it our last episode, Brenna, where we, we pretty much ranked all the Marvel projects from yeah, 2021? Yeah, it was, yeah. Okay, we're curious, what would you, of all the Marvel projects of 2021, TV and movies, what would you put as your number one and why? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, Hanako makes fun of me for this, but you know when you're, when you're like, okay, I'm, um, like, I haven't seen The Godfather you know, or whatever. I have seen The Godfather, but like, you're like, and someone is like, you know, in The Godfather, and you're like, I haven't seen it. And then they're like, what? And you're like, stop, please stop, please stop it, right? But really, and this is for all you listeners out there as well, and uh, when someone hasn't seen something, let's think about what it is. What we're actually getting mad at them about is the fact that they have this wonderful gift waiting to be unwrapped. And so we shouldn't shame them that they haven't seen this thing. They shouldn't shame them that they haven't seen Empire Strikes Back. You should say, this is a wonderful gift. You just have sitting in a closet getting to unwrap someday. And I'm jealous of you that I won't get to watch the Lord of the Rings for the first time like you're going to get to do, right? It's a, it, we should celebrate that they have this wonderful opportunity. So I'm not ashamed to say that I've only seen WandaVision of the TV shows this year. I haven't seen Loki and I haven't seen uh, the Winter Soldier uh, show, um, mainly because I like, don't want to rush into it. And, uh, yeah, so I can only rank 
movies. So we have Black Widow, Spider-Man, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and I can rank WandaVision. Did I, did I miss one? Is that it? No, that's no. Brianna. Was, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. Um, so of those, uh, I'd say number one for me is clearly Spider-Man. Number two is easily Black Widow. Number three would be WandaVision. And then a big, big chasm. And then Shang-Chi. And then a ocean and then <laughs> i'm with you on the eternals wasn't I'm good worried, i'm worried about saying too much because someday i might work with people but i i also have no shame so eternals is terrible eternals is abysmal it and it sucks because i think it would be better if chloe Zhao hadn't won best director for nomadland because i think what happened was she wins best director for nomadland and then kevin feige is like well she won best she won best picture and best director I clearly can't give her notes. I clearly just have to let her make this movie and let her pen part of the script and just let her have it. And I think Chloe Zhao, I don't like Nomadland and we could get into that, but I think there's no doubt that she's a very talented, very smart director, yet I don't think she understands a joke. I do not think she understands. How do you make Kumail Nanjiani not funny? How? how? He's one of the funniest people on the planet and he's funny in it in spite of everything else going on. And then you're like, every actor in this movie is incredible. How are they so misused? How is their dialogue that makes me literally so sad? And they're all, and it's only because of my affection for every part of it. I want Chloe Zhao to make the best Marvel movie. I want Richard Madden to, to be as good as he is in The Bodyguard. I want everybody to do amazing things. And it just is terrible. It's awful. And my podcast co-host sent me a text at 1 a.m. last night about the Eternals that I'll read to you, Kyle Wilson. He said, he said, because he he everything Kyle loves, I hate, and everything I hate, Kyle loves. It's why we're good podcast co-hosts. Kyle doesn't like the MCU, if I remember correctly. Oh, despises it. It's <laughs> ruining cinema. I mean, he is a critic. He is like a verified critic. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, I, I love that I put the sigh at the beginning. He didn't sigh. Ah. I'm re-watching Eternals, and I still like it. He has not liked a single MCU movie ever. <laughs> it's, it's a mess, but so ambitious, and I don't know. Like, honestly, more satisfying than Dune for me. And hey, I prefer it over 99% of other Marvel stuff. I'm acknowledging that I don't like Marvel stuff, but I love the Eternals. IDK, <laughs> cool movie. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> What were you watching? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh but but uh, Spider Man's incredible. <laughs> Spider Man so is incredible. It, like it broke my heart though. I don't know. Like, I told Brenda the same thing when I saw it. I was like, I need to go cry, and she was just like, it's my favorite. I was like, I, it was so heartbreaking. Also, the listeners driving their car just crashed because I got so loud. I just peeked the mic. They just like drove. <laughs> we have to send Fire Firehouse Fifty One. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Uh, so I now have questions for you. Okay. Okay. Go and you. We can ask more later. But since we're on the <laughs> MCU, okay. Um, we'll say kiss, Mary, kill, just because I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've sworn enough on this podcast. <laughs> so sorry, NBC Universal. Please still love me. Um, so kiss, Mary, kill for the both of you. Okay. Jeremy Renner, Chris Evans, Chad Michael Murray. Oh my goodness. Okay, okay wait, on. are these actors or characters? Are we talking about the characters they play or the actors? 
We'll go characters they play. Let's make it interesting. Characters. Okay, wait. Renner, Evans, and uh, Chad Michael Murray. Chad Michael Murray. And we'll say One Tree Hill, Chad Michael Murray. Oh my okay. gosh, you really listened to us, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah, I call one I call One Tree Hill Two Bush Valley. So <laughs> just because I don't know why. I know that sounds sexual in some way. It's not. I just in high school thought that was funny. It's not that funny. Keep going. Okay, thinking. Uh-oh. Yeah, I, I wrote it down. I think this is easy. Gina, I think this is... Gina got the pen out, folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I actually think this is kind of... I think this is easy. Let's go, okay. Brian. That's, okay, that's we're going to go kiss Evans, Mary Renner, kill uh, Chad Michael Murray. No, okay. I, I don't agree. I don't agree. Hold on. <laughs> my, uh, my friend Casey, my friend Casey is friends with Chad, so I'm going to send Casey a text and tell him you said that. Okay. Okay? Okay, yeah. Go for it. Okay, this pains me a little bit. Okay, so I'm gonna kiss. Uh, I'm gonna kiss Chad Michael Murray because Lucas Scott. He's gonna be part of my life forever. Like, gosh, he makes basketball is, so sexy. But this is the generation gap because, like, yes, I like Wintry Hill, but it doesn't mean as much to me as it does you. So I no, think that's yeah. the generation yeah. gap. And yet, and yet, you're like Jeremy Renner. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I'm gonna he kiss- does it for me too. He's, he's, I mean, yeah. He's the yeah. guy. He's the guy. This, this pains me. I'm gonna kiss Chad Michael Murray, but One Tree Hill, like I have a One Tree Hill tattoo. Like it means a lot to me. That show is important to me. I'm gonna marry Evans. How do you not marry Evans, right? Oh, we don't deserve him. We, we really don't deserve- he's so oh. yeah. Have you seen him in Defending Jacob? Is that the is that the is that the Quibi show? No, Apple TV Plus. Plus? Okay incredible yeah, not, clearly he's amazing <laughs> i'm gonna kill renner and i don't want to kill renner i just have to wow. <laughs> you just wow. have to wow well now instead of his family disappearing on him he's gonna <laughs> disappear on his family okay next up we have severide casey oh jesus iron man <laughs> <laughs> Putting him in the MCU. Okay, wait. I'm gonna want to hear your answer on this too, Jimmy. Hang on. Okay, I'm writing this down too. Okay, Okay. Iron Man. Oh man. Oh. oh. Okay. Okay. I feel like this is easy for me too. Let's go, Brian. No, that's when you just fire it off. Don't. Okay. Um. Kiss Severide. Marry Casey. Kill Iron Man. Do you want me to tell Taylor you said that? (laughs) You want to? Yeah. I don't care. Um. Okay. Okay, I have mine. This is an easier choice. This is an easier choice. Okay. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kiss Casey. Um, I'm going to marry Severide. No disrespect to Stella. Um, I'm going to kill Iron Man because if it's post-Endgame, he's dead anyway. Spoiler alert. My <laughs> gosh, now someone just swerved off the road the other way. <laughs> Two listeners. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> okay, here we go. Toughest one yet and the last one. Okay. Okay. Kiss, Mary kill. Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, Chicago PD. You are trying to get us in some trouble, sir. Let's go, baby! Let's go! Oh, man. Oh, man. Now you have to say no comment. How does it feel? Yeah, no, that's exactly what we're going to do. I was going to say, can I say no comment? We love all of them equally. Yeah. I know, it's hilarious. I'm sorry. I yeah. respect you. I respect it. What if I make it nicer? What if I make it <laughs> play with on the playground? <laughs> no, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, I can't. It's all right. I tried. Um, it changes every day. It's fine. Was, They're all equal. Yeah. We'd get aggregated. 
<laughs> it, it would make front page. Okay, here we go. Last one. Okay. What if the what if Marvel TV show comes to the one Chicago world? You get to direct an episode. Okay. Except that what if is reality. It becomes reality. You get to make one change to one one Chicago show, and oh. it is done. It is done. It is in it in the zeitgeist forever. The one thing you cannot do is bring back Matt Casey. I'm not going to allow that because it's <laughs> you guys. Um, you get to you get one change. One change. Go. Peter Mills would never leave. Done. That's. A, oh man, that's. So what hard. do you think? Of that? Do you even know who Peter? That's Mills a great is option. <laughs> yes, of course I know. Oh man, <laughs> that's a great question. Oh man. I yeah. kind of go with something similar, Gina. I'd say, mm, no, because then that would affect everything else. Mm. I'm going to go on med and I'm going to go that I wish Connor Rhodes had never left. Hmm. Interesting. Do you know who that is, Jimmy? <laughs> I, listen, I'm the mayor of Chicago. I, I know <laughs> the one Chicago. No, just kidding. Um, uh, no comment. You no commented on mine. I'm going to no comment on those. <laughs> but that was a fun one. That was, that a, fun was a fun one. That was a great question. Um, I do want to, but since I put your feet to the flame and I watched both of your reactions to that, I do want to say one thing that I really love about this podcast. And I think you both do a wonderful job in my limited listening. Because <laughs> I think what's really hard about when you're a podcast that's based on a show is, especially as long as both of you have done it, um, it can be really difficult to be either in one of two camps of um, riding so hard for the show that you constantly are defending every choice, seeing everything as amazing because you're just like so in the world that it's like, you know, it's kind of like the Harry Potterism of many people believe the movies could have been made with puppets and we would have like loved those puppets because we just love the, the world so much that you put that on there. And I think sometimes in a content driven podcast about a show, you can be so like just defending everything they do or on the other side of it, which is that you love the show so much and you want the best for it. You can be like a lot of us were with Game of Thrones at the end where we just wanted more, we expected more. It wasn't that we were mad, we were disappointed. And, and you can just be almost jaded and, you're, and you love it so much that you're like critical of it to almost to a point where people are like, yeah, but can't we just enjoy this thing? And you both really ride a really nice line of calling out the shows when you don't like something that's happening and being like, I didn't enjoy that at all. And putting your foot out with that while also always being hopeful and being, and clearly deriving so much joy from the viewing experience, even if an episode wasn't for you, which I think is a really hard thing to do. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's about all we've got. Otherwise this is the perfect note to end on. Um, <laughs> yeah. This was so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, Jimmy, well, you'll have to come back. Yeah, you will definitely back. have to come back. Yeah, this was so much fun. Okay, I, I mean, I know our listeners know this, but tell everybody where we can find you. I'm 64. I'm just a guy <laughs> living in Florida. Um, no, uh, you can you can find just just watch Chicago Fire. Okay, <laughs> watch it. Watch Chicago Fire. Watch the Olympics. I'm not at the yes. Olympics. <laughs> I I consider myself an NBC company man now. Um. The Olympics are amazing. And I don't think enough people watched the Summer Olympics. I know it's in Beijing and we could talk about China, but these athletes, like the Olympics are the coolest thing ever. And we're going to get two Olympics for the back-to-back -back in six months. 
watch the Olympics. I'm not going to be there, but watch those. Watch Chicago Fire. You can follow me on Instagram at Jimmy Nix. Uh, Twitter is at Jim May Nix uh, because I decided apparently to make that my Twitter handle. Nobody calls me Jimmy Nix. And yet, like now the internet's like Jimmy Nix. And I'm like, <laughs> I should have just gone with like, I'm Jimmy or real Jimmy Nicholas, but I'm Jimmy Nix now. So follow me and watch the Olympics and Chicago Fire. And Favorite Chicago- winter Olympic sport. Go. Favorite winter what? Olympic sport. Oh my gosh. That's so, uh, I mean, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to actually put some, I'm going to put everyone, the, the fun quirky answer is curling, but it's not true. They're not actually watching curling. They just want to say that. Um, I think that uh, like, I think that figure skating is one of the most interesting sports because it's so artistic and it's, this artistic expression that is incredibly athletic. And I do feel like with gymnastics, even with like open floor routine and gymnastics, it truly just becomes about like, you know, double here, like little, like like a little like pas de bourree, but not really. Figure skating, like what they are emoting while they're doing it is so crucial. And it's such an artistic expression. While then at the end of the day, like if you can be uh, like Tanya Harding and hit the quad, it's just like, okay, you're so athletic. It's, it's a really cool sport. And I think it is a sport that still uh, captures the imagination. I love it. I love it. By the way, if you've never been to an Olympics, you should put it on your bucket list. I went to London in 2012. Amazing. Let's go. Yeah. Put it on your bucket list. It's incredible. So awesome. The athlete in me is like, I'm going to qualify. I'm, <laughs> I'm always like, what's, what's the event? Okay, I really what watch- sport? Yeah. What sport would you qualify? Oh. Well, this is, I, I do run, so I compete internationally in Spartan races. So I do mm-hmm. that. I, I have, I, I went to worlds two years ago. I went to the North American championships last year. Yes. So I do run that, which is like 50 obstacle courses, right. 50 obstacles on like a 15 mile mountain run. Um, so triathlon would lend itself, but those guys are a little bit too lean. Like um, I would need more things that are like strength based. Um, but I would, I would probably say triathlon, um, or, uh, I'm a badass beach volleyball player. So I used to have a joke that I was going to Rio 2016, but the Olympic volleyball players would absolutely destroy me. They would kill me and make me look dumb. So, you know, they're better than me. (laughs) I'm never going to qualify for the Olympics, but I can be a paramedic on Chicago. Hey, (laughs) yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I was that person during Tokyo that was like waking up at three in the morning to watch gymnastics live. Like that's my sport. So Hell yeah, no. I was that person. Yeah. So Hell no. Yeah, Ryan is like, you're insane. I'm like, I'm I watch, I mean, when basketball was like at a decent time, I watched basketball. Basketball was my sport, but like, you know. It's oh, isn't basketball I'm a the dick. best. I have problems. I just love it so much. Are you, I have a question for you, Jimmy, though, before I let you go, NBA or college, I have to know. Oh, what? I'm not an, I'm not an or person. I'm an and person, Bryna. Both, both, both are incredible. (laughs) College basketball is so pure. College basketball is pure because it looks like pickup basketball at a gym. Like you can go, you can go and play college basketball in the sense that the game looks the same, but the NBA is purest in the sense that it's the analytics and the math telling us exactly the best way to play the game. And you're seeing the peak athleticism of people on the planet and what they can do. Um, so both I think have their merits. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love both. I, I play basketball every week. I'm always worried I'm going to get my nose broke again and like right before filming, not be able to film. <laughs> Don't tell Chicago Fire <laughs> basketball. <laughs> um, I just did. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think both have their merits. And, and college basketball, like I think the younger you're watching somebody play a sport, it's really interesting just because, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's pure in that way as well. Nice. Have you met Derek yet, Derek Haas? I haven't. <laughs> I haven't met Derek. It's a running joke for me on set uh, where I'll like meet somebody and like I won't get their name and I'll turn to Hanukkah and I'll be like, that was Derek. <laughs> <laughs> He'll talk Baylor basketball with you for like hours if you let him. Oh yeah, Scott Drew, the man. Yeah. I'm trying to play pickleball with Scott Drew someday. I'm on, I'm on. <laughs> I once did a play and, and, a, and a person put in a review the lead really looks like he'd be a good pickleball player. <laughs> Watched me do Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder for two and a half hours, and I never left the stage. And you just thought that dude can ball pickleball. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, last time we had Derek on the pod, he was like, he's like, so let's talk Baylor basketball. I was like, no, my my school is also in Texas, and they got knocked out. I don't want to talk about that, but okay. <laughs> well, Derek, if you're listening, most underrated Baylor bear right now is Flagler. Dude's got a pure shot. Pure, pure pure shot love it love it jimmy this was so much yeah no derek will probably know we'll have him on in the spring and we'll be like you heard that right like okay good just checking (laughs) this was so much fun thank you so much yeah thank you thank you thank you so wonderful i'm sorry we went so long no No, this was so much fun yeah this was fun so yes blow kisses have a good night we'll see you yes we'll probably have more questions and hopefully hanako tweets us more bloopers and all that yeah of course keep it up keep crushing it Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Jimmy. All right. So that was our chat with Jimmy. I've never laughed so much in an interview ever. That was honestly, like I said, we've said it, you know, I think it's one of my favorites by far that we've ever done. So good. Oh my God. Fantastic. We had so much fun. So much fun. So you guys, that's about all we've got for today. Um, as always, you know where to find us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything, meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. If you like the show, please leave us a rating and review. We would so greatly appreciate that because we haven't had a new review in like a year or which like, er, please. Uh, that would be great. Follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. I feel like I'm missing something, but I don't think I am. Uh, no, I don't think so. I'll, no, I mean, new episode next week. Yeah, um, new, new episode sure. of the show means new episode of the pod. Yeah. And um, we're working on hiatus plans, or we will be. We need to figure that out. So yeah. if you guys have ideas, obviously send them our way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. So in the meantime, everybody have a good weekend. Um, listen to that interview as many times as you want, because it was... It was so much fun. It was so yeah. much fun. I wish you had told him that you watched the whole like hospital scene when Violet had her appendix removed like 400 times. Actually, I mean, if he's listening to the podcast, he probably knows it. Actually, I don't even think it was you that watched it 400 times. I actually think it was me that watched it 400 times. I watched that one too, but I also have then watched the one that where he references where he fell and hit his head on the ambo. I watched that scene about a hundred times. I mean, I, I pushed a lot of Violet and Gallows or Violet and Hawkins scenes over the last couple of weeks. It's we had a like lot of fun. Bad. A lot of yeah. fun. So, all right, you guys have a good weekend and we will see you next week. Bye.